Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Batter Round, coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. The Batter Round is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist, Zach Orioles. Losers of six of their last seven games, they lose to the Yankees last night, 5-4. to four. I'm your host, Paul Valley, by the way, alongside my co-host, the extraordinarily talented and quite young Zach Goodman. Uh, Zach I jumped, at, jumped the gun a little bit. How are you today? Pretty solid, Paul. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. It's a beautiful day. 70 degrees walking into the into the studio. I get to wear shorts in here for the first time in a long time, so that's neato. Um, <laughs> ah, welcome to the bat around where we say words like neato. Uh, anyway, getting back to it. Orioles lose to the Yankees last night, 5-4. to four. Dean Kramer, five innings pitch, five hits, four strikeouts, no walks, two earned runs, both earned runs coming uh, in part not in part, fully, from two solo home runs from Aaron Judge. Really the only damage done against Dean Kramer. And that's three straight pretty solid, not quality starts, because you got to get through at least six innings to even have the chance at a quality start. But three straight solid starts from Dean Kramer, which is what you like to see. Even more, what you like to see is no walks last night. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly kind of turned it around for me. Um, you know, he came out the first couple starts, and I guess, you know, the league adjusts. That's always something you've got to take into account whenever you're talking about a rookie pitcher or really a rookie hitter as well, like what we're seeing with Ryan Malcastle right now. But it's generally going to happen, and you've got to adjust back. That's your job. You've got to turn it around and become a better pitcher when the league adjusts to you. So it looks like that's what's, you know, what, what Kramer has done for me in the past couple starts. He's really adjusted. Um, you know, the one thing I looked at, and I said this to Stan a few weeks ago, but he's throwing too many fastballs. And I still see that, you know, Judge hit that, hit that fastball a mile uh, on that second home run he had. And I just think the guys are kind of sitting fastball a little bit too much right now, but he's starting to turn it around. The curveball looked really solid last night. Um, so, yeah, he, he's certainly turning his season around and getting back to that form that we know Dean Kramer can be in. Well, yeah, and look, you want you want to see um, you want to see a guy be able to throw his fastball for strikes. Because the fastball is the best pitch in baseball when you right. throw it the way you're supposed to throw it. So I don't really have a problem with somebody throwing too many fastballs as long as they're locating and they're hitting their spots. What you don't want to see is too many middle middle. Right, fastballs, right. Which, which is the one he he threw to Judge that right. got hit out. Yeah. Exactly. Now look. You can live at the major league level at 94, 95 miles an hour, but you better locate. Right? Exactly. You better, yeah, you, sure. you better locate. And locating is not middle-middle to Aaron Judge. Right. He, he paid the price. And Aaron Judge, man, look, 52 home runs as a rookie in 2017. He, he had, what was it, 17 home runs against the Orioles that year? Yeah, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. And that's not an exaggeration. I'm pretty sure he hit 17 home runs that year. He has 22 home runs in 58 career games against the Orioles, which is most against any team. Yeah, by by a margin, man. Like like yeah, 22 home runs in 58 games. That's that's insane. And, and I get he gets to play the Orioles a lot. I mean, he gets to play them 19 times a year, and obviously he's going to hit a lot of home runs off them because the pitching staffs have been pretty horrible over the past few years. But maybe they just need to walk this guy. Like, seriously, stop throwing this guy strikes. Every single time he comes to the plate, he does damage. Now, let me ask you a question. Sure. Okay, so 
I put this out there just before the 2018 season. I remember I was shoveling snow for a random like foot deep uh, March snowstorm. And I tweeted out that, look, I'm not advocating that you hit somebody. But if you can't get Aaron Judge out, because this was during a spring training game that was televised where Aaron Judge hit two home runs against the Orioles. And it's like, this dude hit 17 home runs against them last year, and then he comes and hits two in the spring training game. And it's like, look, everybody's like, well, just get him out. you got to get him out. You realize that that 2018 team lost 115 games. Yeah. And the 2017 team was below. There's a reason they were below 500, and it's because they can't pitch. So, yeah, it's it's a nice thought. Just get him out. Yeah, you get him out. So easy to just yeah, get Aaron Judge out, one of the yeah, best hitters in baseball. Yeah, just, just get him out. And, like, look, you're not trying to hurt somebody. I'm not saying you throw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball no. at the dude's ear hole. I'm saying that you, you, you dust him back, brush him back, make him think about digging in and getting locked in to yeah. just do damage. If you're throwing a, a, a pitch high and tight, on a dude, and you're making him think twice about digging in, it's only going to make your curveball that much better. And if you do have to put one between the numbers, you put one between the numbers. I mean, just don't throw strikes to this guy. That's as simple as it is. I got absolutely crucified by so by people on social media for the idea that you should ever throw at somebody. Look, I'm not saying hurt the guy. Just brush him back. Brush him back. And, right. if, and again, if he still won't stop digging in, Put one between the numbers. Hit him in the hit him in the in the uh, in the side of the butt cheek, like someplace where it's not gonna hurt him. But say, hey, I'm not giving in. I'm gonna let you know that I'm here, and I'm not just gonna let you dig in and hit 450 foot monster shots off me. Right. I mean, what that does too is that you tell Aaron Judge to not sit on fastballs right down the middle because that's what Aaron Judge is looking for. Right. He's thinking, oh, this is the Orioles pitching staff. I'm just gonna look for a fastball right down the middle. Guess what? He got one, and that's what he's gotten pretty much from from them from 2018 on, and that's what you see because Aaron Judge is a great hitter and he's not gonna miss a fastball right down the middle or up, you know, at the numbers either. He just is that good of a hitter. He's a guy who can hit any kind of pitch in any spot and hit it for a home run and the Orioles will give him a lot of that kind of stuff so don't throw the guy strikes you know try to brush him back a little bit try to get him to, to swing at a curveball in the dirt try to get a fastball you know a foot above the zone just do what you can to not let this guy hurt you because well, they, they don't they don't do that right and now. it's like you said right before we came on the first home run that pitch was like a foot inside yeah just turned and, on and, it and, and look I love seeing somebody Get their hands inside the ball on. An I don't love it pitch. when it's Aaron Judge, but, but I, I don't love it when it's Aaron Judge against the Orioles. But it's a thing of beauty. If you watch him hit that home run in slow motion, you yeah. how do you generate so much power with your arms in that position? I guess it's when you're a, six seven and as massive as Aaron Judge is, it's not too hard. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And yeah. look again, not advocating that you hurt anybody, but you got to make them think twice right. about about digging in. And look. Guys like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, for all the tape measure home runs they hit, they're going to strike out 170 to 200 times every exactly. year. Exactly, and you're going to they, ch- they will chase pitches. Exactly, they will chase pitches. So you got to make like you don't have to throw them strikes to get them out. Now they also will walk their fair share, but these guys are going to chase from time to time. So give it a shot. Fastballs middle middle at 94 miles an hour. That's not the way to not go about work. your business. It just isn't. But look, the rest of the Orioles. DJ Stewart three for three, a double, a walk, a run scored. He got that leadoff single in the ninth inning that you thought you hoped was going to start a rally. They had they had Ryan McKenna pinch pinch run. Dude, here's my thing. You have Ryan McKenna on first base. Okay, he's got speed. 
He's a fast guy. Yep. Michael Franco's at the plate. And what has Michael Franco done in the last three weeks where he's gone four for 52? Yeah. All you see him do is roll over to third base or shortstop. He's been out in front of everything. Everything. How are you not? It, it's one and two. Why is McKenna still standing on first yeah. base? Why Why is he not running? I mean, like, Franco could have laid down a bunt, too. Get McKenna in scoring position. My, I mean, why not? Michael Franco's not here to do that. He isn't, but he's also four for 50 in the last 52. Right. And I get it. I remember in 2014, or I'm sorry, in 2012, when J.J. Hardy hit like 238, and he was doing nothing at one point to help yeah. the team. Nothing at all. And it's like, dude, you need to learn to lay down a bunt and get somebody in the scoring position or get that guy on second right. base over the third. Because... As good of a hitter as J.J. Hardy was, there were times when he would go through these extended slumps. And that's what's happening with Michael Franco right now. Now, yeah. now, look, in the ninth inning, I'm not suggesting that you give up and out. Now, if you're going to bunt with Franco, have uh, McKenna steal second base right. first and foremost and then lay down the bunt, or at least try to lay down the bunt. My thing is, you can't... What's the point of pinch running McKenna if all Franco's going to do is ground into a double play? Right, and and he's again. He's he at that point he was four for his last fifty one. What else did they expect out of Franco? Did yeah. they expect him to break out and hit a home run after he's four for his last fifty one? I mean, this guy has done absolutely nothing for the past weeks, and he did exactly what he's been doing last night. He rolled over, right? And guys, I kind of have to take a little bit of the blame for this one because on April twenty fifth, I sent out a tweet that said. Uh, I'm really digging. I can't. I'm paraphrasing. I'm really digging my, my Michael Franco. I'm really enjoying the signing, uh, defensively and offensively. And I'm pretty sure he's four for fifty-two since I sent that sent out that tweet. It's, it's rough. And, and I even said, "Ask me again in two weeks how I feel." Sixteen days later, I, I I put out another tweet, and I was like, "He's hitting 108 since I sent out that tweet." Like. And here's the thing about this, too. Pedro Severino was the guy on deck. Already had an RBI double in that game. Pedro Severino has been, you know, swinging the bat pretty well. But, uh, you know, and obviously Pedro Severino right now, he has a 305 on base percentage. It's it's fine. It's not amazing. But, you know, for Pedro Severino, I guess that's all right. You don't really expect Pedro Severino to do a lot either. But why not just lay down a bunt and give him the chance? Why not? It it just, or, or have Ryan McKenna try to steal second. It's just having him hit into a double play is inexcusable. I am I am more for if he's in there the pinch run. Why? What, what did you bring him in for? Exactly. Steal exactly. the base. Exactly. It's like a lost art right now. And if you're a team that is hitting in the bottom third of the league, your your batting average is what it is with runners in scoring position. Then you need to manufacture runs. Steal right. second, then lay down a bunt. And then all you need is a ground ball to the right side or a fly ball. And you tie the game. A game, by the way, that you had no business losing. Right. I mean, yeah. You also have Pat Valleca behind Severino, um, who is also, again, he was hot. He had an RBI single in that game. So to, to let this game get out of hand like it did, you know, to let Gio Urshela come in and get a pinch hit home run. And I was just saying this to you earlier before the show started. Gio Urshela is a good player. We both agree on that. But Gio Urshela is not Aaron Judge. He's not John Carlos Stanton. He doesn't have the light tower power of those guys. He hits some bombs. He does, but a pinch hit home run off Travis Lakins, where Lakins has been good this year, but he's struggling as of late and, you know, gave up another one. And the Orioles, of course, can't come back. Well, they can't start the rally. He's been scored upon in four of his last six outings, yeah. even though in one of those outings it was an unearned run, but he was still scored upon. All right? His ERA in May is 1246. Last year, 
Lakins kind of got by with smoke and mirrors. He had a 2.81 ERA despite an ERA of about, of about one and a half. It was 1.48. This year, the 4.38 ERA despite a 1.14 WHIP and a 1.43 batting average against. It, 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 the, right. n- the numbers don't make sense, right? right? They, they don't make sense. But Lakins has had his struggles of late, and you're wondering if you're getting to a point where, like, look, the Orioles during the seven game stretch, their bullpen ERA is 4.08. Which look four oh eight's not a terrible ERA, but it is a lot worse. A lot worse than they were doing before. Yeah, yeah it, it, it there was one thirteen game stretch where their ERA was like one twenty two. And here's what I also should mention: with this lineup last night, the Yankees throw out there their four hitter Gary Sanchez is batting one eighty eight. Clint Frazier, their five hitters, batting one forty six. Brett Gardner, one seventy one. Miguel Andujar, zero fifty nine. Kyle Gashioka, one ninety six. I mean, this lineup is not. They didn't even have Glaber Torres. This lineup is not that strong, and the Orioles let that lineup beat them. Which the, they, the one guy. That's in that lineup that could beat you, you let beat you. Exactly. I mean, no Stanton either. I, I should right, no, right. no Stanton he, he, either. He had a leg injury. Right. Uh, here's the thing, man. This is another thing where I, I, I get very irritated. Guys, guys like Aaron Judge, they hit home runs. That's what they do. Sure. I get that. When the Orioles face a team where there's the one guy that's known to beat people, you can't let that guy beat you. you right, I mean, you, you exactly, can't, exactly. You can't let that guy, and I get it, he beats everybody. He right. had a, he has an American League rookie record for home runs with 52 in 27. Almost I, an MVP that year. I, I, I get it. I get it. You can't let that guy beat you. Like you said, there should be nothing anywhere near the plate against that guy exactly. until you have two strikes. I mean, you walk him, then you've got Gary Sanchez on deck. Who is absolutely atrocious. Right, and he, he, he literally way. can't hit fastballs. So, uh, no, no, he, no, he can't hit breaking that, pitches. That's sorry, literally yeah. the only thing he can hit. Right, yeah, he, fastballs. Can't, he can't hit any breaking pitches. I'm getting it backwards. But still, you've got Gary Sanchez coming up next. You've got Clint Frazier behind him. Put Aaron Judge on. You, you don't need to have Aaron Judge beat well, but you. Just put the guy on. You can't. You, the, you, you, don't, you you're not going to intentionally walk. Oh, Aaron I'm not saying. Judge. I mean, you. Yeah, I mean, and, when, and, when and you have Gary Sanchez on deck, I wouldn't I, be entirely I, opposed to it. I am 100 percent for throwing pitching around him, but competitively. Like if you throw your pitch yeah. and and he doesn't swing, or you throw your pitch and he gets a base hit out of it, fine. But these fastballs, ugh, we're, we're beating it into the ground. We're be, we're beating yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're beating it into the ground. Um, it's, it is what it is, but you, 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 you can't let those, when there's one guy in the lineup that can beat you, you can't let him beat you. Right. Exactly. I mean, well said. And I think that's what they're going to have to learn. And the, it's, it's a young pitcher thing, I guess, too. Um, you know, thinking you're going to throw a a middle, middle fastball to Tyler Wade is a very different thing than throwing a middle, middle fastball to Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton. Just the way it is. Yeah, it's. Anyway, the Orioles have lost six of seven after coming home from a West Coast trip where they went four and two in six games. Uh, Zach, this has the feeling to me, and I actually said this after that loss to the Mets. Um, I don't think I said it to anybody other than my fiance, but this to me has the feeling of ten losses in twelve games type of stretch. It's it's one of those it's one of those streaks where look they should have won the first game against Boston. They should have won the third game against Boston. They should have won the first game against the Mets. They should have won the game last night. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? They they didn't. And they found ways to lose, whether it's not hitting with runners in scoring position, whether it's throwing to the wrong base, whether it's an error, whether it's giving up a three-run pinch hit home run to Gio Urshela or Cesar Valdez, who can't throw a strike. And here's the other thing. Cesar Valdez, 
you know when he doesn't have it. Oh, immediately. You, you know. I'm sure he does, too. I mean, yeah. he literally comes out and starts throwing, you know, ball after ball after ball, and then everything starts going middle-middle. Everything starts hanging, and then you know, you know, he, he's got nothing. And, and, look, I get that there's this three batter minimum, which I hate. Awful but rule. I, I awful hate rule. it. And we're going to get into awful rules here a little bit later on in the program, or what people think are awful rules, but uh, this three batter minimum, knock it off. Knock it off. I mean, uh, this it, along with seven inning double headers can go the way of the dodo. I'm done with it. I think this might be worse than seven inning double header. I mean, look, managers for years and years and years have used lefties in roles to get lefties out. That's been that's been a thing. You you bring in your situational lefty and he gets you out of the inning. Tanner Scott would be an amazing, or Paul Fry even would be an amazing guy to bring in for for one batter and get you out of an inning when you need to get out of an inning. You have uh, Valdez come in in the ninth inning and you immediately know he doesn't have it. He puts the two first guys on you know whether it's a walk or a hit and then you just know it's over you just have no confidence this is going anywhere right and and look he's done a nice job and when he's on it's great exactly but he's blown three saves in 11 opportunities like your closer that's a lot of blown saves in 11 opportunities your closer should blow three saves all year right not in 11 opportunities and and we watched this last year with Cole Salser and to that point has Salser not earned an opportunity to get that job back. It no, was, he's been good. It he's was clear good. he was pitching with a foot injury yeah. last year. We didn't know it at the time, but when he came back out and said it, the way he's pitched this year as opposed to last year, it's pretty clear that that foot injury was impacting him. But with with Valdez, and, and I get it when people say this is a rebuilding team. There's no point in having an established closer on a rebuilding team. I get that. You still, but, want, you still want to win games. I mean, yeah. that's the whole that's the whole goal of anything. Right, right? So, and, and like... You have fans that are watching these games and hanging on every pitch, and you and Valdez has done a, a solid job. His ERA is still good, but it's very clear that when he's off, it's clear from the beginning. Right, and, and the three batter rule doesn't let you get out of it, and and that's kind of the problem we're seeing. Um, it, it's just. You know, they don't have a great option. You know, Valdez is a, is a fine option. Tanner Scott, you know, the command's not exactly there. Paul Fry is a good is a good pitcher. You know, he's probably going to get dealt at some point this year because of how good he's been. But again, Paul Fry's a closer. I don't know. You know, it just they're, they're, it's really a lack of better options thing for Valdez. I think that he still has this role. But like you said, Cole Saucer, you know, he, he had some closing opportunities in 2020, and he he made the best of them until he had the foot injury. So I wouldn't be entirely opposed to it, but I, I don't know if Valdez is the answer from now on. Look, the the Orioles' closer of the future might not be on this roster, and we're, I mean, Hunter, I don't think it is. Hunter Harvey is still not pitching in games yet, so the the Orioles' closer. If, of the future, if Hunter Harvey ever pitches in any Hunter Harvey's most frustrating injury case of all time um I mean this guy is never on the field he, he can't stay healthy you, you can't bet on him. <clears throat> speaking of that we're going to talk about uh while, while Zach gets uh stand on the line here we're going to talk later in the, in the program about some injury prone players on the Orioles as we look forward to the future uh before we do that Anthony Santander got his first rehab stint uh underway last night he started in right field for the Bowie Bay Sox went one for four with a single and a run score before he's lifted for a pinch believe a pinch runner. Um, he could be back by early next week. Uh, however, <clears throat> they're saying that because of the intake protocols, we probably won't see him till the end of next week instead. Uh, there were rumors that Jemai Jones was being held out of AAA games because a call-up was imminent. Those were unfounded. And people kept saying, oh, Jemai Jones, Jemai Jones. And I'm thinking, he's hitting 227. I get it. He has a lot of loud outs, and he has an OPS above 960. Uh, but what's... 
the guy's not ready yet. He has two errors in five games, and come to find out, he's being held out of these games because he has an oblique strain. So he's on the lovely. He's on the injured list down there. Keegan Aiken back to the majors in a bullpen role. Had a two strikeout sixth inning in that seven to one debacle against the Mets on Wednesday afternoon. Um, Orioles. Still getting nothing out of third base. We talked about Michael Franco, 4 for 52, batting 196. Um, Valleca, and they're getting nothing out of second base. Valleca batting 200. Ruiz, 161. Urias, 212. We're going to talk about that later in the program as well. Rest of the show, we have Stan, the fan Charles, coming up in just moments. Uh, the payoff pitch around the league at 10.50. With an extended view, we're going to give our observations around baseball. Orioles banter, infield and outfield conundrums, as well as a look at, at the farm at 11.15. Then Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun joins us at 11.35. And then we have Take to Rake to close out our final segment of the show. And speaking of segments, Zach, you have something you want to sound off on. Yeah, so I I did this segment because I really want to get your opinion on it and Stan's opinion on it. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about getting rid of the drop third strike. This kind of, you know, it came back up after John Means lost his perfect game on a drop third strike. Pedro Severino let it go by. Um, you know, this is a rule that's been around forever. We, we've talked about this on the show before. Ba- changing baseball rules at this point, like the you know, like the three batter minimum, like the the seven double headers, they, it just makes no sense. Why why are we not keeping baseball as it is? Th- this rule, a, a drop third strike. I mean, it's been around forever. What we're, we're now going to be changing so many stats if we change this rule, if we take it away. This gives uh, you know a team a chance to win. You know, you have a guy strike out, and and he can get the first still. I mean, it's. It's a key integral part of the game, and it has been for a long time. I think it's got to stay. Um, now, you, you saw the other extreme of this. MLB, they tried out having a guy be able to steal first on any pitch that gets passed. You know, a pass so, ball. So dumb. Right. And you, you have that. That's the, really the complete other extreme from banning the, sh- uh, from the drop third strike at all. Um, I just think changing baseball is not necessary at all. Like there, there is no reason to create any of these rules. I know MLB wants to be experimental. That's kind of their goal. But why, why even try any of this stuff? Just, just keep the drop third strike. I know they're going to talk about this in the next CBA. I can almost guarantee you this is going to be one of the things they'll try to amend because pitchers don't like it. But why? Why, why do we keep changing the things that have been around for so long? The drop third strike was amended to its current form in 1887. There you go. This has been a rule for 124 years. I'm sorry, 134 years. Yeah. 1887. And now, because we want it to fit our narrative so that John Means gets a perfect game, oh, the drop third strikes a stupid rule. Maybe it is. <clears throat> but let me ask you a question. If a guy hits a ground ball to, thir- to shortstop, the shortstop makes a good throw to the first base, but the first baseman drops the ball. Right. Is, the, is the guy out? Of course not. No. Of course not. I mean, look, it's your pitcher and your catcher are supposed to be on the same page at all times. If you're having drop third strikes, that's not called not being on the same page. That's their fault. That well, the other well, well, the other well, team should benefit. Occasionally, other times it's being lazy and, tr- and trying to block a ball <laughs> well, on one knee or dro- or or dropping a ball. And I'm not saying that this, that Severino was lazy in that case. But the 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 fact of the matter is. The rule has been in place for 134 years. Exactly. And now we want to complete. No, man. Look, I I want John Means to have its perfect to have a perfect game as much as anybody else. Right. And it was as damn close to perfect as you're going to get without being perfect. Right. right? But the rule is the rule. <clears throat> and I'm and honestly, why do we need to change it? It's been this way for 100. Why do we need to change what they're talking about? Moving the mound back a foot. 
For, for what be, reason? Be, because because hitters are striking out too much. Well, that's because of the invention of the launch angle. Right. And, and ev- everybody's trying to uppercut everything. You can't uppercut right. a 98-mile-an-hour fastball at the letters. Sorry, you can't do it. There's like three players in the league that can do that. Not only that, MLB dead in the ball. So if you want right. more offense, you shouldn't be moving the mound back. Just keep the ball the way it was. Well, but then you're going to have complaints when you know the Yankees and the and the Twins hit 330 home runs. They, they want to please pitchers too much, I think, right now. Um, and we're going to get Stan the fan on the line for his opinion on that right now. Stan, how's it going today? Good, 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 good. Um, guys, I just want to tell you and your audience that uh, I have no uh, internet or no Comcast. Uh, I'm in the neighborhood where that gas explosion was yesterday. Oh, wow. And I'm oh, gotcha. about 200 homes uh, in in town that uh, are without those things. Luckily, my wife and I installed a generator about eight or nine years ago, so we have power. Uh, but uh, really, <laughs> I did not, you know, I'm sitting back last night, did not make plans to go to the game um, and uh, did not see the game at all last night. I right, listened well- to a little bit of it on a transistor. On the transistor radio, which I haven't done in quite some time. We will, we will fill you in real quick. The Orioles lost. Yep. Yeah, they, they lost 5-4, to four, Stan. They had a 4-2 to two lead in the seventh. Uh, they bring in Travis Lakins with uh, runner, with two runners on and one out. Well, tell me, start with uh, Colt Sulcer. What happened to him? Because I'm beginning to see the same fears that I have uh, about Tanner Scott are, are beginning to take place every time Colt Sulcer comes into it either a tied or, or lead a game where the Orioles have the lead, he pitches vastly, his results are vastly different than they are if we're behind 5 or 6 to 1. Well, yeah, he came in um, to start the seventh inning. Uh, he right. only got one out that was on a strikeout, had a hit, had a walk. He ended up getting charged with two runs because Travis Lakins came in to replace him with two on and one out and yep. promptly gave up a pinch hit, go-ahead, eventual game-winning three-run homer to Gio, Ur- to Gio Urshela. Uh, which ended up, and look, for the worries that you have with Cole Sulcer, Travis Lakins has a 12.46 ERA yeah. in May. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the yeah. bullpen has a 4.08 ERA during this last seven-game stretch where the Orioles have lost six of seven games. And um, mm-hmm. First and foremost, Dan, before we get into that, Zach is talking, was talking about in his sounding-off segment how people are clamoring for the drop third strike rule to be done away with um, because they want John Means to get to get a perfect game. And, and so what my, they really want to do is change the definition of perfection. Yes, to, precisely. To meet some precisely. other standard. I, you know, I heard Zach's commentary. Couldn't agree more with it. And and what you chimed in with, you know, the rules been. I did not know the rules been around that long, but I know it's been it's been around in my entire life. And I understood the purpose of the rule, and I stand by the purpose of the rule. I, the I, only I, one of these, the only one of these things that they've changed due to the pandemic that I I have found that I actually enjoy is the uh, extra inning rule change. I, I and agree I still with you. Would like, I still would like them to maybe go to at least the tenth inning with the regular rules to see if you can get a. a a game finished, and then say, "Okay, we're going to go." So, so you know, started with the eleventh or twelfth inning. But I do find that very entertaining. You know, 
I, I think what I should have mentioned and is that it's part of a larger discussion. I think it's part of a, a whole discussion about baseball changing rules as a whole. Um, there's just too much of that going on for me. I, I just think I, I agree with you. I like the the extra innings rule. I, I've come to actually like that a lot. Um, yep. But I know the new CBA is is going to be made this off season. Hopefully, you know it, it will prevent a strike. Hopefully, um, and I know they're going to be considering a lot of rule changes. And I think a lot of them are just so destructive. I, I don't see the need for them. Essentially, I totally agree with you. And and I'm thinking last year I kind of really understood the sort of the decision to make the doubleheader seven innings. Um, in fact, when it started this year, I thought the first game. <laughs> I remembered last year. I thought the first game of the doubleheader was nine innings, uh, but I was you know I'd forgotten that they they made them all seven innings. I don't see the need for that as well. Um, uh, I think. At the very least, you want to have the first game be nine innings and then the second game seven innings. I think but both games should be nine innings. It's, be nine it's, innings. It's, I agree. I you agree. have seven inning games in Little League and in all these other amateur yeah, leagues because right. you have time constraints and field rental constraints and stuff like that. This is Major League Baseball. You're being, yep. you're being paid to play nine inning games. Go play nine yep. inning games. And, these, yep. um, and, and, and the broadcasters love it. The, the broadcasters and the beat writers and the people that cover the team, they love it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, long, it's a long day for everybody. I understand that, but, uh, you know, anyway. Count me as one of those guys that likes nine-inning baseball. But anyway, yeah. look, the, getting back to the Orioles, again, they've lost six of seven stands since they came back from a 4-2 and two West Coast road trip. Uh, look, yeah. they're four of these games, stand that the Orioles – frankly should have won they gave a four unearned runs to boston in the first game of that series they were one for seven with runners in scoring position and 10 left on base they mustered just four hits in a game three loss against boston and wasted the best outing of the year from jorge lopez they blew right. a two nothing eighth inning lead in queens to the to lose to the mets in game one and then last yep. night a four to two lead in the seventh inning stand and they gave up a three run homer to geo urshela this team should be five and two in their last seven games, at least four, at the worst, four and three. Instead, they're they're one and six. And this, to me, Stan, I don't know about you, it has the feelings of one of those ten losses in 12-game stretch. How do you feel about that? Well, uh, we're getting close to that, and we're playing the better teams right now. You know, Boston, the Mets, uh, and then the Yankees and Tampa will all be around when, you know, when autumn comes around. They'll, they'll all be in the hunt, you know. So they're playing the better teams and the deficiencies they have. You know, I, I'm, it's amazing when I hear the announcers and you just gave the stat of the, in the one game we're one in seven in, with runners in scoring position. Yeah, Trey Mancini's good. Um, you know, Ryan Mountcastle will be good. But this isn't a very good offense. This is what, this is what you sort of expect. When you pick up a Mikel Franco, you know, on March the 10th or March the 15th, because you can get him for 1.7, this is what you get, uh, despite the fact Freddie Galvis has, has had a, an overall a nice season, but we see the deficiencies in this guy. This guy's an on-base percentage of under 300 for his career, I'm pretty sure. Um, this is what happens when you have second base man by... Pat Valleca and Urias and Rio Ruiz. Um, it's it's not. It shouldn't be this gigantic surprise. And the pitchers that we're talking about, um, they're all 
they're all vastly uh, not underpaid. They're they're on the low end of the uh, of what you're paying people. You know, I mean, Travis Lakens he had a nice season last year after being let go by a good team, uh, and we sort of reclaimed him, and he had a nice season. He's reverted back to being what he is, you know. And Cole Sulcer, I've been sort of a big proponent of his. I own him on my fantasy team, uh, but he probably is what he is. We're not getting anything from Hunter Harvey this year, and unfortunately, he is what he is. But you know, there there isn't a lot of money spent on this team. So some of these things, when you get into a streak of losing ten out of twelve, um, that's what happens: is your team reverts back to the mean of what it really is. I mean, Stan, if you look at the schedule, um, May is a rough month. You know, they, they have to play the, the Chicago White Sox before it's all said and done. They have to play Minnesota before it's all said and done. Uh, you, you have the Nationals coming up, Tampa Bay, New York. I mean, it, it's been a tough schedule for them so far. Do you think the schedule is going to get easier? I mean, you look at June and you have Minnesota again, but you have Cleveland as well. You have Toronto. You've got a Houston. bunch of games against Cleveland. No, uh, it's not going to get easier. It's not going to get easier, and those teams are going to be more and more competitive because, you know, they, they have They'll have something to play for. What it, what is promising? Because I don't mean to leave on a, a you know a sour note. Is the fact that two years ago we weren't saying in a six out of seven streak. Well, we could have won that game. We should have won this game. We would yeah. we would have won that game. We were talking about, geez, can't we get some pitching? You know. So right. overall, the pitching staff is much improved from what it was. Uh, even after knocking Lakens and Sulcer a minute ago, they are better than what we had in 2019 by far. Uh, there's no Dan Straley, you know, lurking around the corner. Um, so there are improvements, and we are two years further along in the development of people like Grayson Rodriguez um, and uh, D.L. Hall uh, and Adley Rutschman, believe it or not, is finally starting to develop you know, because he's actually playing games. I mean, I can't tell you how much that hurt last year, uh, this rebuild, that he didn't get, you know, um, 60, 80 games under his belt. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. But and, and, you know, they had the alternate training site, and they got their work in, and, and Adley was arguably, from what we hear, the toughest out at the alternate training site when it was all said and done. Off to a little bit of a slow start, but he's starting to kind of come on a little bit the last few games. A lot of walks at, as well. A lot of walks at, down at Bowie. But you're absolutely yeah. right, Stan. That, that that when your team is rebuilding and you're coming off of back to back 108 plus loss seasons, losing a minor league season of development is absolutely detrimental to this franchise. And look, the Orioles are kind of having to kind of start over, not start over from the beginning, but they're kind of having to get these guys who should be coming to the majors this year and next year. They're pushed back a year, you know, and it makes yeah. us, and that's hard for fans to to swallow. You know, when, yep. when you're watching your team lose and all you want is a winner and your team has to push their rebuild back a year because of a pandemic that's affecting everybody, it's still a tough pill to swallow. It is a tough pill to swallow. There's no question about it. And 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 we do have the right to say that we should have won, those, you know, at least two of those of the six out of seven when you said we, we should have won four of them. Even if we win two out of those four that we should have won, you're looking at a, a streak of what, like three and four, three, you know, instead of one and six. So it's a big, it's a huge different, a huge difference. But I will say that this team is improving. And I just really hope 
that we don't throw the bathwater out, the baby out with the bathwater when, you know, when uh, Michael Elias is trying to make things look better and dismissing uh, a brand in Hyde because I think Hyde is doing an excellent job. Yeah, I think he's doing a great job for for what yeah. he has. And and you mentioned, yep. Stan, even if they win those two of those games, that's the difference yep. between 16 and 22 and 18 and 20. Right. Yeah, that, yep. That's 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 a huge difference, you know. And it's a huge difference. And There's no question about it. It's a huge difference in the psyche, in that in that um, you know in that clubhouse. It's a huge difference in that psyche, you know. Yeah, and what what this team really needs is a solid eight to one victory, like a no yeah. doubter to kind of get themselves thinking. All right, we got this. We got this. Because right now, right now, it's not that they're inventing ways to lose. It's just that you're 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 expecting the other shoe to drop at some point. Like, oh, we got we got a lead late. Oh well, who's going to get a good way? That's Paul. That's a great way to put it. You know, you are. You're, and they look around and they're expecting it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So something's got to happen. And I'm sure happen. last night, I'm sure last night, Brandon Hyde, you know, these managers that have this reverse split thing, I'm sure Sulcer's numbers are actually better against left-handed hitters. So I don't know if, or who was due to come up, but I'm sure that had something to do with the fact uh, when Ursula came up, he's either got a couple of hits off of Sulcer or... Brandon just went with the, and I don't call it a knee jerk, but uh, well, let me bring in the guy who's stronger against right-handed hitters, you know. Yeah, and you know, you, you win some, you lose some, and those 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 things are going to happen. Sometimes you're going to come in, and it was a fairly long at bat. It was it was several pitches. It was it felt yeah. like he was batting for five minutes. It, it right. was a two-two count, and he just hit a mid, a middle out fastball. Over the right center field fence, and the, the, the one that's really distressing to me though is Seltzer because I do think he has some really terrific ability, uh, and when he's really on, I see what you know uh, Brandon Hyde saw in him last year. He really does have some really unhittable stuff, but again, it, you know, not everybody is cut out for close ball games, and there's just to me, and again, I don't have any stats to cite. But I, when I watch him pitch in a game that he's being brought in to, as a mop-up guy, and he pitches two innings to make sure the game doesn't go to twelve to one, and then we're behind five or six to one, he pitches vastly different than when he comes into a tie game or a game with a lead. He seems to always walk somebody when we have the lead. Well, and keep in mind, this is a guy who's only pitched in thirty-six big league games. Yeah, it, it's not like this is this is a tested veteran who's having. He's still young and fairly inexperienced. Uh, maybe this is a good way to kind of get his feet wet and have him yep. figure it out. But like you said, Stan, you bring him into a close ball game and he tends to open the floodgates a little bit. And that was the case yep. last night. You know, he got a, he got he struck out Gardner to start the inning and then single walk. He's out of the game and then he's watching somebody else gives up the runs that he let on that he let yep. on base. So. Yep. Yep. Now, Stan, looking around the rest of the league, you did mention baseball tends to revert back to the mean. The Royals, yep. they were an AL best 16-9 and on May 1st. They promptly lost 11 straight games before winning game one of the double well, I have yesterday. A, I have a theory about that game yesterday. I had Lucas Giolito on my fantasy baseball team. Uh, there it is. And Giolito's got two wins the whole season. He's pitched way below the expectations. Uh, of a Lucas Giolito, and I just, I literally, 
I still, I mean, uh, if you read on BaltimoreBaseball.com, uh, Rich Dubroff did a really nice article in tribute to Jim Henneman, and nothing's happened to Jim. It was just, uh, he says, <clears throat> his, the title of it is Jim Henneman still may be the most interesting man in the press box or something like that. But supposedly Jim tabbed, tabbed the term a reverse lock. But if there was ever a lock yesterday that should have gone my way, it was a team that had won six games in a row, playing a team with 11 straight losses, and my pitcher was on the team with the six straight wins. And, of course, their winning streak ended, and Kansas City's losing streak ended. The the one thing about that doesn't fit the, the calling them reverting to the mean is that Kansas City actually made some very interesting moves during the offseason in picking up uh, Carlos Santana uh, and picking up Mike Miner again. You know, they they sort of tore up the uh, profile of a rebuilding team and added some players. They they signed Michael Taylor. You know, they 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 went a little older route, and uh, I thought it had really paid off for them and. Uh, um, who knows? Maybe they'll piece it together. I know the Orioles. I was just thinking about this in 1983 when the Orioles won the World Series. I think we twice had nine-game losing streaks. The Orioles in 1983. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you though, Stan, and, and and I'm glad that you mentioned the players that they picked up because yep. when I when. I remember having conversations with you about this, and you thinking, "Oh, the Orioles are doing something." And I said multiple yep. times, "They did just enough." To win seventy five games, mm-hmm. and and it to me that's holding true right now. They lost the second game that doubleheader. They lost twelve of thirteen right. since having the best record in the American League. And look, some of these guys are nice add on guys like a Carlos Santana or a Michael A. Taylor or an Andrew Benintendi who isn't the player that he was when he uh, won Rookie of the or finished second in Rookie of the Year voting in twenty seventeen. This is this is a team that did just enough. To not suck, and that's yeah. that's that's, yeah. that's how yeah. that's how I look at them. And these are nice add-on players. If you're adding on to a team that's already built to win, they're not built to win. So you just have a bunch of older guys who can go on a nice six-game winning streak, but then lose eleven straight. That's how I look at the Royals, and I think that they have reverted to the mean to where they're going to win seventy-five at tops eighty games this year. Because yeah. honestly, they're just not that good. Andrew Benatendi right now is a point four WAR. I mean, that's not lighting the world on fire, certainly. And right. it maybe maybe looked like a good move on paper, but certainly hasn't gotten them to where I think a lot of people expected them to be. But I do think they're a better team than losing eleven straight. I think any team is a yeah. better team than that. Yeah. Yeah. The team that's the, the team in that division that's really uh, the head scratcher is the Minnesota Twins. Unbelievable! Yeah, worst yeah. record and, in baseball. And they don't. And I I I wrote about them a little bit uh, in my baseball power rankings this past week, uh, saying that they're they're a team right now that you know the how volatile the 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 game is right now. You know where teams move up a great deal and they fall a great deal. I've never, I've been doing these MLB power rankings for 10 years. I've never had the volatility in, in teams moving from five and eight positions in one week, you know, and then falling back. And uh, it's crazy. And, and I said, don't go to sleep on the twins. They may be, they might be bad, but don't be surprised if they sort of revert to what they are. 
uh, which is a pretty darn good team. But boy, they since then they've lost I think three straight this this week. They they've three lost straight. five in a row after their loss yeah. last night. They're twelve yeah. and twenty four, which is a major league worst record. But again, talking about reverting to the mean stand, this is yeah. a Minnesota Twins team who you know at some point is going to get hot. And it's probably yeah. going to be against the Orioles against later the this Orioles month. Next week, Absol- yeah, ab- two weeks. Yeah. Absolutely. And then when we see yeah. them in June, it's going to be June, yeah. it's going to be oh, this is this is the Twins that went to the playoffs right. the last two years. I'm not going to be surprised if you see the Twins rattle off 11 wins in yeah. a row to get back. To I got to say, they're probably the surprising team on the negative yeah. in all of baseball. Oh, absolutely. But the player, the player that is the most distressing player has been Miguel Sano. He has turned into. I thought he had a really good chance to be the next David Ortiz, you know. Um, and boy, it, it would really be tough to take a chance on him right now. He's hitting about 103, and I think he's got like two homers and five RBIs or something like that. Yeah, he, he's ridiculous. one of those guys who one year he'll hit 35 home yeah. runs and hit 260, yeah. and the next year he's yeah. hitting 212 with 10 home runs. The Orioles almost right. signed him. You know, when he signed with the Twins, yeah. it fell through yeah. a little bit there. But, yeah, uh, yeah he yeah. certainly has a lot of power, no doubt. Um, now, speaking of reverting to the mean, Yankees, they were 5-10 and 10 after 15 games. The baseball world, specifically Yankees fans, which are all over the place, were freaking out, Stan. Next thing you know, they've played 23 games since then, and they're 16-7. and seven. They're two games back yeah. of the Red Sox. Yeah, they're 21-17 and 17 yeah. overall. This proves, right, that you can't read too much into anything through the first month or so of the season, right? Well, that's the, that's that's the other portion of what I wrote about with the volatility of the standings right now, and and it really boils down to that thing that we we always <clears throat> debated with Earl Weaver about is what defines a start. Is a good start six out of the first eight games, or is it twenty two out of thirty? You know, Earl always said, "What the what is a, what is a start?" and uh, the Yankees are proof positive that, uh, you know, the 5-10 and 10 wasn't their start. Their start is more like the way they're playing right now. Yeah, it's, it's, you, that leads me to my next question. At what point is it not too early to start saying, this is who this player, this team, this franchise is? Uh, at, at what point do we start to say that? Is it June? Is it mid-June? Is it July? Is it the All-Star break? Uh, is it right. now? Like, when can you really start saying this team is who we thought they were? There is no exactitude to that, and that's what makes the game so fascinating. You know? Absolutely. And then finally, yeah. Stan, the Giants. Yeah. They have a Major League best 23-15 and 15 record despite that loss where they wasted another Kevin Gossman brilliant performance. He yeah. pitched into the ninth inning with a, with a shutout with 12 strikeouts. They took him out after two leadoff singles. The bullpen gives it up. They end up losing in, tw- in 11 innings 3-2. to two. Yeah. But they're leading the West, not the Padres, not the Dodgers not the who Dodgers, won three right. straight. It's the Giants. Right. Do you believe in them? Not that, I don't think they're going to win the division. Those other two teams are going to get hot. But is this a team that has a chance to stick around all year and potentially get one of those wild card spots? They, they, they might be able to. You know, they, they might be able to. Um, I mean, we got to find out who the real Mike Yastrzemski is. He just got back off the I.L., Again. If he reverts back to what he was the last two seasons, uh, the Giants could be really a tough little team to play. You know, it's it's a killer, and I and I've gotten Dan Duquette 
uh, on an occasion on a Zoom I did with him to admit that the most frustrating and failed part of his six, seven years with the Orioles was the, the inability to, to develop any of those three top pitchers that they, that they had in the draft, which were Dylan Bundy, Kevin Gosman, and Hunter Harvey, you know, for, for different reasons. But here's the Giants reaping the, the benefit of all the development that Kevin Gosman got at the major league level now, you know. Yeah, uh, his whip is .88. His ERA is yep. 184. He's got 59 yep. strikeouts and 50. We always we outs. always knew that he had the ability to do this. My my contention the whole time was that the Orioles drafted him and did not do anything to really develop him, other than say we need this guy to be a our big time, you know, our number one or number two starter, and we therefore we've got to force feed him. And he wasn't up to the task of uh, of force feeding at the major league level, you know. Um, now, gradually through six, seven years of failure, he's learned how to pitch at the major league level, and and not only pitch, but really looks like dominate right now. So the Giants are reaping that tremendous benefit of what the Orioles spent three, four seasons doing with them. Well, Kevin Gossman drafted, what was it, fourth overall yeah. in, yep. in 2012. He makes his major league debut in 2013, pitches basically entirely out of the bullpen. I think he had five starts in 20 games. Um, but then that 2014 season, up and down, up and down, up and down, they really kind of messed with his development. Yeah. He had a nice year. He had 20 starts. He had a 357 ERA in 2014. But he was constantly on that shuttle and that's not what you want to do with a young pitcher. It's not good for confidence or psyche or any of that. Can you imagine the Orioles doing that with D.L. Hall or Grayson no. Rodriguez at this point? Can no. you imagine this regime no. doing that? They're yeah. doing. They're taking the long. You know, they're they're taking the long view of development, and that's the correct way to develop players. Yeah, you know? it, it generally and, won't happen because Mike Elias has said in the past that he is fully committed to having guys up when they can actually play, and he wants to keep them up once they come up. And you see right. that you see that differently with a guy like Ryan McKenna because they. They view him as more of a fourth outfielder, and he's not going to be an right. everyday guy. So he's up here to kind of fill a role right now for Santander. But once Santander comes back up, he'll be down, you would assume. But the, the guys like maybe a UCL Diaz or a Michael Ballman, someone like that, probably going to come up and stay up, you would assume. You'd, you'd like to think that. You know, there's no question about it. Look, you know, it, it's just painful to, to watch how well – and Bundy's not having a great year this year, but that team is awful. Which that, is so surprising team, that, to the, me. The, the Angels are, uh, God, their bullpen is, uh, you know, we look like world beaters compared to their bullpen. Yeah. Their, their bullpen is just absolutely awful. And Ale- um, Alex Cobb has not been good for the Angels either. No, um, no. But, you, but you have Mike Trout, you have Shohei Otani, and nothing comes of it. And you, Rendon as well, you're paying $300 million to be hurt all the yep. time. To be hurt all and the they time, were, right. And they were serious enough now the last 10 days that they said we got to do something to shake this thing up, and they released uh, Albert Pujols, right. which you know to me he was their Chris Davis the last. Now his contract wasn't horrible the whole ten years, but the last three years he's been pretty god awful. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it's it's the injuries uh, that that have yep. really taken his legs away from him, and and keep in yep. mind he's forty one, which is young in life, yep. but very yep. very old in baseball. Yep. You know, and yep. it's just 
You know, the Angels, it's a head-scratch. They bring in Joe Madden. They put out the big contract for Anthony Rendon, when really they should have put out the big contracts for guys like uh, like um, Trevor Bauer or Garrett Cole. And right. So they have or all Kevin this great... Gosman. Right. Or Kevin Gosman. And they have all this great hitting, and yep. they have no pitching. And it's, yep. it's it, when Dylan Bundy's the AC your staff, and look, Dylan Bundy's a fine pitcher, but at this right. point in his career, he's, yep. he's a three, he's a four, maybe a three in a rotation. Yep. He's not an ace. But Orioles found that out the hard way. Stan, thank yep. you for joining our show as always. All always right. great to talk, I'll talk to you. talk to you guys soon. We'll Thanks. talk to you next Thanks, weekend. Guys. Bye. See you. That was Stan the Fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Keep in mind, Stan the Fan Charles has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross broke down the first month of the season from the Orioles, while Stan and Gary caught up with Maryland Sports Executive Director Terry Hasseltine. Find those find these shows under the videos tab at Facebook.com slash pressbox sports or at pressboxonline.com. Coming up Monday night at six. You won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross catch up with former Oriole and longtime coach Jack Voigt. I remember Jack Voigt. You don't. You have no idea who he is. I, I, rem- I have no idea who he I is. I remember sorry. I remember him and Jeff Hewson. I remember those guys and and Je- I think it was Jeff Tackett. Anyway, uh, Stan's Weekly Shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at C3America.com. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797. That's 410-401-9797. Or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. we got to get a break. When we come back, we're going to take an extended look with the payoff pitch around the league. And then we'll get to some Orioles banter. The annual MIAA Lacrosse Championships are coming live to Anne Arundel County for the first time ever. The MIAA Lacrosse Championships feature some of the nation's top lacrosse programs as well as the future stars of the game. Join us Tuesday, May 18th and Friday, May 21st at the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. Tickets are on sale now. To learn more, go to MIAAChampionships.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online when a 
trip the Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, sir. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is Jay K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Dickie V. Dick Vitale. Kyle, two diaper dandy. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. For more than 40 years, K&S Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call K&S now at 410-235-6600 or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S at knsimports.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top. Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis' career and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back to the Battle Round here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Uh, I didn't realize I was unmuted, so I I apologize on that front. I was starting a little bit late when we came back from break. But anyway, here is the payoff pitch around the league. This is an extended look where we're gonna gonna we're gonna kind of break down the majors after we do the out of town scoreboard and the preview of the games coming up today. Austin Hayes homered, and D.J. Stewart reached base four times, but it was a three-run pinch hit, go-ahead three-run homer in the seventh inning from Gio Urshela that proved the difference as the Yankees went on to win 5-4. to four. Aaron Judge contributed two home runs of his own in the win, giving him 22 in 58 career games versus Baltimore. Michael A. Taylor and Salvador Perez each homered and combined to drive in five runs to snap an 11-game losing streak as the Royals defeated the White Sox in Game 1 of a doubleheader. After hitting his first career home run on Wednesday, 2019 third overall pick Andrew Vaughn hit his second career home on career home run on Friday night, nice. a two-run shot to lead the White Sox over the Royals in the nightcap, three to one. Kevin, Go- man, it's like an echo. I'm giving all the scores of everything we just talked about. Yeah. Kevin Gossman struck out 12 over eight innings of one-run ball to lower his ERA to 184, but the Giants' offense couldn't muster much of an attack, and the Pirates used an 11th-inning triple from Adam Frazier and a sack fly from Gregory Polanco to knock off the first-place Giants 3-2. to Shohei Otani hit his 11th home run, but Hunter Renfro and Bobby Dahlbeck continued their recent surge as both homeward and combined for all four RBIs to lead the Red Sox over the Angels 4-3. to 
Chris Bryant continued this resurgence with his 10th home run, and and Jake Arrieta tossed six innings of two-run ball to pick up his fourth win as the Cubs defeated the Tigers 4-2. Tyler Glass now struck out 10 over eight innings of two-run ball, but Brett Phillips played the hero with a walk-off single in the ninth inning to lead the Rays over the first place Mets 3-2. Steven Matt struck out nine over five shutout innings for Toronto, but the bullpen allowed a five-run seventh highlighted by a bases-loaded, bases-clearing double by Reese Hoskins, and the Phillies stopped the Blue Jays 5-1. Kyle Tucker, Miles Straw, and Martin Maldonado combined for six hits and seven RBIs at the bottom of the Astros' order, and Zach Granke threw seven solid innings as the Astros took down the Rangers 10-4. The Athletics had seven hits, but four of them were home runs as Oakland ran away with a 6-1 victory over the reeling Twins. The Twins have lost five in a row and owned the Majors' worst record at 12-24. Marcelo Zuna and Ozzie Albies each homer to back Drew Smiley's six innings of one-run ball to lead the Braves to a 6-3 victory over Milwaukee Friday night. The Rockies smacked 15 hits, including three apiece by Garrett Ham- Hampson, Charlie Blackman, and Jonathan Daza, and the Rockies cruised past the Reds 9-6. Wade Miley allowed eight runs on 11 hits in three innings in his first start since throwing a no-hitter versus Cleveland last week. He ain't no John Means. The Nationals had 10 extra base hits among their 22 hits, led by catcher Jan Gomes' five hits and two RBI performance, as the Nationals dismantled Arizona 17-2. Max Scherzer struck out seven over five shutout innings to pick up the victory. Probably would have pitched longer if it was any kind of a game. Uh, a night after going 0-4 for 4 in his Major League debut, Jared Kalenic homered for the, his first Major League hit and added two doubles with three RBIs to lead Seattle over Cleveland 73. Man, they need some offense out there. That's a, that's a, that's a spark plug for them. Clayton Kershaw struck out 11 over 6 innings despite allowing 5 earned runs, and the offense erupted for 9 runs and 12 hits as the Dodgers won their third in a row after a 5-15 stretch, defeating the Marlins 9-6. And finally, Manny Machado batting 308 over his last 8 games after a slow start, reached base 4 times and drove in 2 runs, and the Padres withstood 5 hits and 2 home runs combined from Nolan Arenado and Tyler O'Neill to hold off the Cardinals' Five to four, Zach. Before you get into it, uh, Nolan Arenado had three hits last night. He had a ninth inning home run, a seventh home run of the year. He's batting two ninety four. Really great addition to that team. But I look at Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt has hit two sixty or worse now each of the last three years. Two sixty uh, in twenty nineteen. I think he yep. hit like two thirty eight last year. Yep. And he's hitting two forty eight this year. Paul Goldschmidt at one point was arguably the most underrated player in baseball. This, well, one of the premier bats, and it, it, he's no longer that. His bat's not what it was. No. He's, uh, he still plays gold glove caliber defense at first base, but he's still he's not that old. He's, what, 30, 31 years <sighs> yeah, old? Yeah, somewhere around there. I mean, he's on the probably other end of his career at this point, but, yeah. It's I mean, crazy it, to me. He was this, was this was a guy who would hit 300 with 30-plus homers. He was like Trey Mancini of the National League. But could steal twenty five better, and better yeah. but but could steal like twenty twenty five backs and play better defense. It's amazing, yeah. And now the bats just kind of. I look at him and I look at Joey Votto and I'm like, what happened to these guys? Joey Votto's older, definitely an older. I, I think age is definitely playing the part for Votto. I would I would assume at least uh, Goldschmidt though. That, that, that's a shocker to me. Now look, his first year in St. Louis, he hit two sixty, he hit thirty five homers, he drove in ninety nine, but like. Man, the bats is kind of—he still got the power, but the bats is kind of falling off. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's weird. Um, you mentioned Brett Phillips. Like, what is this thing with Brett Phillips with the clutch hitting? It's amazing. Like, Brett, Brett Phillips is not a very good baseball player. And he was a first-round pick. He was once yeah, a top prospect. Exactly. He was once a, once a top prospect, and he hasn't really had it going in the majors. And he always gets like these walk-off hits. It's crazy. Yeah, like, craziest so, laugh you will ever guy. hear. Craziest laugh you will oh, ever really, hear. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Look it up on YouTube and we'll the next play break. it on the next show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. 
What's going on in Major League Baseball today? All right, 1 p.m., the Red Hot Mets. They'll be in Tampa to face Shane McClanahan. I have no idea if I'm saying that right, but really cool name. Sounds uh, right. 4 p.m., lefty Cole Irvin and the first place A's will battle the Twins. The Angels will face Martin Perez at Fenway Park. Trevor Williams and the Cubs will battle Jose Urania and the Tigers. Uh, 6 p.m., Johnny Cueto with the Giants looks to bounce back against the Pirates. At 7 p.m., it's the O's and the Yankees. Lopez versus Herman after the Yankees took game one last night. A Texas matchup between the Astros and the Texas Rangers. The Royals, they've really dropped off. They'll face the White Sox at guaranteed rate field. It's the Braves and the Brewers. Anderson versus Anderson, Ian and Brett. Uh, the Phillies will look to improve on their 21-18 uh, record against the 20-17 and 17 Blue Jays. At 8 p.m., the Reds are at the site of the All-Star Game in Colorado as they go up against the Rockies. The Nats' five-starter Joe Ross battles Seth Frankoff, another great name, in Arizona. At 8.40 p.m., Chris Paddock and his Padres will battle the vet Adam Wainwright and his Cardinals. 9 p.m., the Indians will take on the Mariners. Two young guys, Tristan McKenzie and Justice Sheffield, will take the hill. And finally, last game of the night, the Marlins, they're out west battling the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium. Pretty good slate of games today, but no no incredible ace matchups. Um, you know, obviously, ex- except Domingo Herman and Jorge Lopez, because, you know. Those, those are clearly the aces of the, the American Yeah, I mean, and not John Means and Garrett Cole. It's all about Jorge Lopez, so, yeah. Well, hey, hey look, man. I, pitched Wells last time out. Jorge Lopez, he, he pitched into the sixth inning, five and two-thirds. He got through the fifth inning without giving up a run for only the second time. I think it was the second straight time that, that he's done it. Maybe he's yeah. gaining some confidence. Somebody said to me, I, I think it was Rich Dubroff the other day uh, when we had him on a couple of weeks ago, who said, you know, oh, it, it was Ben McDonald. He, he was saying, you know, that it, it was during a broadcast and he was saying that the, his manager would take him out of the game after the fifth inning, after the sixth inning, because, you know, he, he, he would struggle after right. those innings. And he says... At some point, we're going to leave him in there, you know, to prove that he can do it. He's like, and Ben said, well, how are you going to let me prove that I can do it if you don't let me prove that I can do it? And then he goes out to his next start and throws eight innings of shutout ball or something like that. That was, along those lines was a story that Ben McDonald told. And my whole point here is Jorge Lopez, you don't know if he can do it until you let him do it, right? So each of his last two starts, he's gotten through the fifth inning without allowing a run in that inning, which was a bugaboo for him all year. Uh, he, he he got into the sixth inning yesterday, last week, last start, took him out after two outs. Let's see if you can get him through the sixth into the seventh inning. You give this guy an opportunity because he has some of the best stuff on the team. He just he can't seem to put it together for an extended period. Uh, chances are he's a long reliever, right? right? Yeah. Chances are he's a long reliever, but give him the opportunity. See what, what he's got for you. What better time than now? What better place than here? I think that's a rage against the machine, against the machine line. Um what better time than now to let this guy get an opportunity? I mean, yeah, he it's always been the fifth inning for him. You know, he throws four scoreless and then he comes out in the fifth and starts putting guys on. He starts walking guys, he starts giving up hard hit balls. It's kind of been frustrating with him, but he's not a bad. I mean, he's not an overall bad pitcher. He's not one of the guys where he comes to the mound every five days and I go, the Orioles have no chance to win under Jorge Lopez because that's not true. They they do have a chance to win under Jorge Lopez, and they did on Monday, and he was great um, against a really good Boston lineup, a team that's in first place, a team that hits a lot of home runs. They they hit well, you know, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, it's stacked, and he got through it. Hey, shut him um, down. Yeah, so if if he can do that again against the Yankees. 
that will be very impressive because, again, he hasn't had many of these five-inning, six-inning outings at all. I'm not sure if he's pitched in the sixth inning all year. I, you could he, correct he me has. on that. His start, his start on Monday. Against oh, it was. Sox, it was on Monday. Okay, he, yeah. he went five and two-thirds. I was there. I should know. Um, but clearly I don't remember that. But You went to um, the game and you didn't bring me? I'm so sorry. How dare you? I'm so sorry. How dare you? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I, I'm pretty I'm sure. I'm so I was, sorry. I'm pretty sure I was working anyway. In fact, I was working anyway. A- anyway, we'll, we'll we'll get back to Jorge Lopez because he needs to he needs to prove it. I mean, he's he's got to get there. He he, like you said, probably a long reliever long term. But right now, if he can actually give the Orioles five scoreless, that's a wonderful outing from him. Bridge the gap. Right, exactly. Bridge Brid- the gap. Bridge the gap. So anyway, looking at the rest... I have some it? notable news, by the way. Um, Michael Ballman is making a start tonight in Delmarva. So he's been injured since uh, 2020, late 2020. He was amazing at the alternate site, we heard. And it was not he was not expected to pitch until June, but he's making a start tonight for Delmarva. Oh, that's, so. that's some big news. Yeah. Uh, Del- yeah. Delmarva is arguably, there's no arguably about it. They're the most exciting team in the Orioles minor league system yeah, right for now. Sure. Uh, for sure, for sure. Gunnar Henderson, and we're going to talk about this in, in, in just a few minutes. Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg are off to hellacious starts. They are, they are... Yeah. They are a force batting 3-4 in that Delmarva lineup. The thing I look at with Gunner, too, every video I've seen, he's going oppo, oppo on everything. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And the, the dude's Not only the player. tacos, it's the doubles, too. Yeah. He, everything, he's driving right into the left center field gap. Like That's that's really a lot of talent for a, for a guy who's 19 as a lefty shortstop. That's... That's kind of unprecedented. I got. I got to be honest here. Bats left, throws right for those for people. That right, don't know. exactly. If he's sure. a left-handed, sure. if he's left-handed, he's not playing shortstop. But we're going to talk about that uh, in Orioles banter after our second break, which we're not getting to yet. But uh, anyway, so you're looking at an extended look across Major League Baseball because we never really do this, and we didn't. We we tried. We tried to get somebody around the Yankees. I I contacted seven different people and couldn't get anybody. Some sometimes. That happens, and it happens more so with a team like the Yankees. Because look, whether you like it or not, it's the Yankees, and they're sure. everybody around that team's important. They're, yeah. you know what I mean. They all have their blue check marks on Twitter. It, so no grudges. Ken Singleton got back to me and said, "Hey, look, man, down the road, let's do it." He just had couldn't do it today. Uh, he was one of the people. So look, not not holding any grudges. It does give us an opportunity to talk more baseball, which is what Zach and I love to do. That's why we do the show. So. We're going to take an extended look around the league. And like we mentioned earlier, Royals, 16-9 on May 1st, lost 11 straight before winning the first game of a doubleheader yesterday. Then they lost the second game, so they've lost 12-13 since that 16-9 start. And we talked about this with Stan. Baseball tends to revert to the mean. By the end of the year, the numbers that you expect are generally there, right? So the Royals, this is baseball's way of saying, hold your horses. Right. Let's let's look at the signings that the, that the Royals made this this offseason. Mike Miner, they signed him two and two, five seventy five ERA. Okay, pitcher. Okay, uh, pitcher. not not right now. Five seven five. Yuck. Yeah. Uh, no. Carlos Santana, six home runs and a major league leading twenty nine walks. Okay. Greg Holland, two and one, five twenty five ERA in thirteen games in relief. Michael A. Taylor, who is never gonna be no. anything special, three home runs, thirty nine Ks in thirty four games, and Gerard Dyson. Fourth outfielder. That's all he's ever been. That's all he'll ever be. Just a guy who gets on, you know, steals bases when he gets on. Twenty six. Twenty six at bats. Yeah, at, at bats this year. But whatever. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, traded for Andrew, they, and then they traded for Andrew Benintendi. Three home runs, two seventy six batting average, seven twenty three OPS. Like you mentioned, a point four WAR at this point in the year. Look, Andrew Benintendi. Maybe it was smoke and mirrors. Maybe he lost some confidence and he's slowly but surely regaining it. But he's not the player he was when he finished second in Rookie of the Year voting in 27. He just isn't, right? But the whole point here is, 
Everybody talked about these moves, the these savvy moves that the Royals made in the offseason. I looked at these moves at the time, and I'm like, who the hell cares? Yeah, I mean, but, Andrew Benintendi's probably the headliner of all of that, and he's not a very good player. he was player. terrible okay. last year. Yeah, he hit like 160. So No, like 130. Yeah, it, not not good at all. So it's not there's nothing really to get too excited about. And I think I, I said it before on the show when they actually made the moves, and you did as well. You're almost kind of – it's all – it doesn't make sense. You know, you're rebuilding and you sign all these guys and then your fans get all excited because you signed Mike Miner and then it's like, yeah, Mike Miner's not very good. Andrew Benintendi's not very good. Like, you can make these moves and you can get people excited about it, but why are they excited about it? Yeah, you, and you're, you're rebuilding. These you, are not you, good you, players. You signed Salvador Perez to a five-year extension, a catcher who's already 30, 31 yeah, years old. Yeah, that was old. questionable. And everybody's I, like, I, oh, this is great. What, really? He, that dude's pr- knees are going to be good. This right. dude catches 140 games a year. Right. Those knees are going to be gone by the time yeah. the contract ends. I mean, they have some solid talent. I mean, Jorge Soler is a great player, but... Making the moves they did is not going to take them from it, a from a sixty five win team or maybe a seventy win team to an uh, to a ninety win team. Right. It just this, wasn't going to happen. This is a move that makes them seventy five to eighty win team. Yeah, right. At best, the, the, that the, the, would be at, at best. At yeah. best, eighty. It's more likely seventy five wins. And this is baseball reverting them back to the mean. And I look at this team, and I look at what they're doing, and I look at the fan base. They went to the World Series in back-to-back years, 2014-2015. We know 2014 all too well here in Baltimore. I'm not even going to get into that. It's still, it'll never not no. be too soon. Um, and I look at that fan base, and are you okay? As a Royals fan, are you okay with this? Because, look, yeah, you're rebuilding, and you got Bobby Witt Jr. coming up at some oh, point. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And that dude, is he's going to be a bona fide stud. We all know this, right? But you're looking at this team, and it's like, would I rather – my team lose 100 games two, three years in a row, get these high draft picks, and then have the talent and the pipeline to make this team a perennial contender, Yeah, like the Orioles, like the Astros did, like the Cubs did for to a certain extent. And I'm not trying to put the Orioles on a pedestal. Yeah, But would you rather do what the Orioles did or have your organization do what the Royals did, where we're just good enough to not be the suckiest of the suck. Being mediocre is not being good. Yeah, I, I think that's where people get a little mixed up. I mean, when we talk about the Orioles winning 70 games this year, if that's a, a possibility, and it still might be a possibility, if they do, that's a success because the Orioles lost 115 games in 2018. They were terrible in 2019, and they were not so great in 2020. They were, they were on pace okay. for 95 losses last year. Right, and, and look, if the Orioles win 70 games, people are going to be happy about that. If the Royals win 70 games, and you sign Mike Miner, and you traded for Andrew Benintendi, it's going to mean less because you wanted to actually if you're making moves you want to win that, that the Royals signified oh we want to win now because we're making all these moves you don't need to sign guys just to sign guys and I think that's what they did they went out there and they were like oh you know we, we feel we're way closer and everyone thinks let's sign guys to give us five more wins it just it, it's not smart and it kind of it's, it's counterproductive it's telling your fan base hey we're trying uh, right. guess what guys Mike Miner isn't trying no no you're not you're not trying because these are good add-on players if you have an established team that is a Mike Miner and a Carlos Santana away from making the playoffs. Right. They're not. Right. Carl, I mean, Carlos Santana. I mean... You have Jorge yeah. Soler, you have Whit Merrifield, yeah. and then who the hell else? Yeah, and I mean, you, again, you mentioned Bobby Witt Jr. He's coming, but how much of an impact is he going to have as a rookie if he comes up this year? I mean, what, you expect him to win Rookie of the Year at this point? Probably not. Like, it just... There's not a lot that really makes sense that's going on with that organization. I actually read an article yesterday about how the the Tigers rebuild has failed so far. Um, yeah, I, I want to get your thoughts on that. Or do you agree with that? 
Because I, they basically outlined the, the picks the Tigers have made and said they haven't worked out so far. And obviously there's guys like Riley Green, there's guys like Spencer Torkelson who haven't come up yet, but the picks they made like Casey Mize, Casey Mize has been uh, not so great so far. So would you agree that Tigers' rebuilds kind of failed at this point? It, yeah. Let me find on who the uh, the article is by. I, I yeah, don't remember. I mean, Casey Mize, maybe he's not ready. Uh, Spencer Torkelson, that guy's a proven bat. That, that, yeah. that, that's, that's a He'll dude be that, a stud. That, that, Riley Green, the, 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 these guys are going to perform at the major league level. But look, you have... So the the article was called Why the Tigers Rebuild Has Been a Failure and GM Al Avila is on Thin Ice. It was written by RJ Anderson for CBS Sports. Um, he the, the, the subheader is the Tigers have had plenty of top draft picks and nothing to show for them, yeah. um, well, which I is mean, pretty true. Name a player not named Miguel Cabrera or Nico Goodrum. Yeah, it's it's not a lot of great players. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know another Tiger. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got um, the the guy that took in the Rule Five Draft, uh, Kiel Badu. Um, oh yeah, 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 but that he got hurt. It's it's yeah, and, and, that, and that, he's that was only batting like two hundred. That was yeah, that was like a Jeff Fiorentino to yeah, me, where you come no. up and you start super hot, and the next thing you know, you just fall off the face. Jonathan right Scope is still a Tiger. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan. I was I was thinking Jonathan Scope, but Wilson, I Wilson Ramos so. is catching for them. Um, I mean, there there are some solid players, but again. The, the the average you, fan can't name a tiger. Right. You you kind of look at the rebuild. I, this is why I brought this up is because it's kind of like the Royals. They they went out there and signed a guy like Jonathan Scope to to try to get ahead of where they actually were at that time. And you don't see the Orioles doing that. You don't see the Orioles trying to get ahead of the rebuild. They're just sticking to the plan. That's kind of important. Well, yeah. And and you look you look at. I would rather the Orioles do what they're doing. And like, look, it sucks watching your team. Oh, it's awful. Watching your team lose six games out of seven. Watching your team lose 115 times in the year when they were going for it. And I say that with air quotes in 2018, and then lose 108 games the next year. The two worst records in the history of the franchise in back-to-back years. Watching that sucks. There's no getting around it. But when you see the pipeline that the, that the Orioles have, when you fu- and and I, and I implore you all to download the Minor League First Pitch app if you don't yeah. already have it. Yeah. Because you can follow the Orioles' entire Minor League system, and I do this every single day. They have a guy named Patrick Dorian, who I'd never even <laughs> heard of before this year. And he's batting 417 with four home runs. If everyone doesn't know about Patrick Dorian, he was acquired for Jeffrey Ramirez, one of the worst pitchers through the you know like 2017, 2018 years for the Orioles. Jeffrey Ramirez was horrible. Michael Elias got Patrick Dorian, who a 12th-round pick, not a guy who was ever really... Thought of highly anywhere. Um, he's on fire. On fire he's to start. Fire. You're playing third base, and we're talking about how the, we've talked in the past about how the Orioles don't really have any third base prospects. Yeah, he could be. He could be legit. I mean, he's 24 years old at Double A. I think he'll be in Triple A before you know it if he keeps this up. Yeah, he could be in the majors by the end of the year if he's if he's still maybe yeah. maybe. And we'll get to that here in in, in a little bit. But I would rather. I, I don't want to see my team go out and sign, you know, Jonathan Scope and. And Carlos Santana, yeah, yeah. and say, and I, I love Jonathan Scope, but the, sure, uh, I don't want to see them sign Carlos Santana and Jonathan Scope, and you know, bring back Renato Nunez and say, hey, these guys are going to get us to seventy-eight wins. I don't want that. Right. You, I'd rather you, I'd rather go this route so that in twenty twenty three through twenty forty seven, the Orioles can win right. three World Series titles and not post a losing record. Like I mentioned before, you, there, there's two sides of baseball for me. You're either winning or you're losing. Mediocrity is not getting you anywhere. You you are losing for high draft picks, or you're winning to win. That that's the way it is. There's two sides. You can't be in the middle. And and, and right now, I think the Royals are right in the middle of that. Yeah, and that's just 
Again, everybody kept saying, "Oh, these are great moves." And I'm like, "No, the hell, they're not." Like the, yeah. the, the Royals are, it, I, and even when they were 16 and nine, I still refused to buy in because I'm like, "They're people, not good people, enough to do this." Oh yeah, people were going nuts saying, "Oh man, the Royals have the best record, and it's May." And I'm going, "Yeah, let's yeah, let's, it's let's it's wait. May, <laughs> bro. They have the best yeah, record it, in it, July. Okay, maybe you have. Let, let's take here. a minute to step back and see who this Royals team is, and now they've lost 11 straight. So. Now, not, not anymore because they, they won last night, but still. But they've lost 12 to 13, though. Right. Um, Giants, best record in baseball, 23 and 15. Kevin Gossman. Are, are they for real, though? I don't know, man. You made a really nice pick for your comeback player of the year in Buster Posey. Buster Posey played 104 games in 20, uh, what was it, 2018, and he had five home runs. He played 104. 115 games, sorry, in 2019, he had seven home runs. He's played, what, 26 games this year? Yeah, he's on fire. Eight home runs, 365 batting average. More home runs this year than those two than those other two seasons. Uh, this You picked him as your comeback player of the year. He, he didn't play last year. Looks like he got his body healthy, got himself rested up and ready to go. And now he looks like the MVP from the mid-2010s. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, and to think what the Giants have coming up with Joey Bart, I'm um, not sure if Joey Bart's in the majors currently. He's up and down a lot. But, uh, you know, to think that he's one of the top prospects in baseball in that top 20. Um, and then the, the guy they drafted in the, the first round last year is also a catcher, Patrick something, um, who is also a catcher they have yeah, coming they took up. they the so, first round, right? Right, yeah. They, they took another catcher in the first round last year. Um Oh, well, you take the best pa- talent available. Patrick Bailey, I believe his name is. Um, but they they have a lot of young talent. I don't know if that Giants team is for real. I, I don't know if they're a first-place team. Because you look at the Dodgers and you look at the Padres, and they're bound to get hot soon. I mean, it's, a, it's a matter of time. Straight. Right. So there you go. It's, it's a matter of time before the Dodgers and the Padres are dominating that division. And, I mean, the, the firepower that the, the Giants have, I just don't see as enough. I don't see it as enough. Joey Bart, one game won a bat this year. That's it. Won. Wow. Okay. Last year he played 33 games, did not hit a home run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still a top 20 prospect in yeah, baseball. Yeah. And, and look, Buster Posey, he's what, 33, 34 years old at this point in his career? Former top, top player in baseball. He's an MVP. Uh, they were talking about how he was on track for a Hall of Fame career. I don't know that he's still on that level, but possibly. It's, he's but, up but, there. But Buster Posey is leading the charge here. For the Giants, is they have they have the best record in baseball. They're twenty three and fifteen, right. and despite that loss. Kevin Gossman, their entire starting rotation, uh, Johnny Quito three fifty two. I think he's hurt. Um, Alex Wood one eighty. Anthony Descalfani two fourteen. Kevin Gossman one eighty four with a point eight four WHIP. Uh, more than more than a strikeout per inning. Um, it, it's crazy. It's crazy how how good yeah, they've been. It, the, look, the Padres and the Dodgers. They're not exactly the picture of health right now. But when they get healthy, that those teams are going to take off. You you would think. I yeah. mean, and, and they might find themselves in a wild card position, the Giants. But I I wouldn't bet on that. Well, uh, the the only way the Dodgers hang on and win this division is if the in- injuries continue to mount for these teams. And when Tatis comes back from the COVID protocol, yeah, he still just doesn't hit. Right. That 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 would be maybe the only way. Yeah. Yeah. Now you look on the other end of the spectrum. The Twins. They have the worst record in baseball. Nothing like. A little Orioles cooking to get the Twins righted. Look, this team can't wait. They they are too good. They are too good 
to be 12 and 24. The Orioles will play them on Tuesday and Wednesday, the 25th, 26th, and then also on June 1st and 2nd. They, so, they, they might start a winning streak that's still going on by the time they get back here at the beginning of June. Actually, uh, they will also play them on the uh, the 31st and the 24th. There's actually a three-game series, kind of a weird schedule the Orioles have made here that I'm looking at. But yeah, they're going to play them uh, six times coming up. So Yeah, look, the Twins, you don't have that kind of firepower in that lineup. Uh, to be 12 and 24. They're going to get hot. The weather's going to warm up. They're going to get hot. They're just running into some bad luck right now. They're not hitting the way that they're accustomed to. They're going to get hot. They're not going to finish as the worst team yeah. in baseball. My my bet is maybe they don't make the playoffs. Maybe they've dug, dug too deep a hole. But it, it could be that they end up being a wild card team barely like by by the skin of their teeth, but right. I I don't know. But they're not going to they're not they're going to be above 500 at the end yeah. of the season in my opinion. Um look, honestly, we got to get another break. And then we got to come back, and we're, we expected to have a lot of time to do Orioles banter, and we talked way too much about um, the rest of the league. So let's get the, let's get our second break here, and then when we come back, wait, wait, have we already done our second break? Uh, we have not done the second break. All yet. right, let's get the second break. When we come back, we'll to, we'll do the um, we'll do Orioles banter. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. 
and the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. All right, welcome back to the Battle Round. Coming to you from Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Just want to remind you, Great Eights memorabilia has so many great events coming up, including private signings with Joe Flacco, Anquan Bolden, and Jonathan Ogden. Coming June 27th, the inaugural Tucker Fest at Jerry's Toyota, where you can meet Justin Tucker, plus live music from Joey Harkum and Dave Teef during the day. A cornhole tournament, duck tank, and more. And on July 25th, the return to training camp party and crab feast featuring Tyus Bowser at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Shouldn't he be at training camp? Probably should be. Jimmy's, Probably Jimmy's should be. Seafood. <laughs> Uh, find out all just about got twenty-one million is his yeah, latest contract. Right. Get get, to, get on the field. Seriously, Dyes. Find out about all of these events and get your tickets right now by going to greatatesmemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, greatatesmemorabilia.com. It's so funny, man. So last week I read that live read, and my mom. And sometimes I read the live reads, and I'm not really paying attention to what yeah. to, to what I'm reading. My mom texts me randomly. <laughs> you know that the that the original owner of Jerry's Toyota played in the NFL. Really. Really? Apparently. And I was like, all right, cool. I had no idea why that was pertinent to anything I needed to know. Raven or a Colt, maybe? And, and, well, no, he played for the Bears. It was because I read a live read for Jerry's Toyota, and my mom <laughs> wanted to like give me an interesting sports factoid because of the live read. So, one, my mom must really love me that she even pays attention when to I'm the live reading reads. to the live reads yeah. on my show. Two, I need to pay more attention. I had no idea how that was pertinent information to me until she told me on Mother's Day. I was like, oh. I I think they're kind of like in my memory right now. Like I could read this whole thing without even looking at it at this point. It's kind of sad. And and, and here's the thing. I do pay attention because I always make a comment about who they're going to have at these signings. But I guess I'm not paying attention to where it is. Joe Joe Flacco signing. Yeah, Anquan Bolden, Jonathan Ogden. Hell Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Orioles banter. For some reason, we just keep taking our sweet time with this. Let's look down on the farm real quick. Deal Hall didn't pitch last night, but he's allowed just four hits and two walks after control issues people were talking about um, in two starts. No earned runs, 19 strikeouts. It's ridiculous. In nine and a, 19 strikeouts in nine and a third innings Stud. at double-A. Stud. Do you think he spends the whole year at double-A, or does he get called up to triple-A? Uh, I don't think Michael Elias wants to rush anyone no matter what. Right. Um, and he's on, his career high may- innings is 94. Right. I, I would think maybe like... August, I could see it. I Maybe. See, yeah. We'll Maybe. See. It depends on... Look, the Norfolk Tides, for one reason or another, aren't very good right now. They don't have a lot of pitching. The, that's, the, that's the problem. And they don't have a lot of hitting Connor either. Green is their ace, so yeah. it's... Yeah. So, and the guys who you expected to be in the rotation have basically been at the major league level. Zimmerman's not right. pitching well down there. Lowther got lit up last night. 
Um, Aiken wasn't pitching well down there either. Yeah, but he, he I don't know, man. I thought t- the tides were going to be a lot better. None of these guys have really gotten off to a hot start with the bat either, aside from Stevie Wilkins. Yeah, you, you still like Diaz is struggling big yeah, time. Yeah, and he hasn't played since May 9th yeah. because of an upper leg injury, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Anyway. Patrick Dorian, third baseman for the Bowie Bay Sox, hit a grand slam in his three for five uh, uh, performance last night to raise his average to 417. That was his fourth homer of the season. Taron Vavra, second base for the Bay Sox, he came over in that, t- in that deal with Michael Gibbons along with Tyler Nevin. Three for five last night, his, hit his second home run. He's batting 304. Adley Rutschman, we know who he is, catcher for the Bay Sox. One for two last night, three walks, three straight games without a strikeout after 11 Ks through his first six games. He now has as many walks as strikeouts. Batting just 219, but he has a 432 OBP. Sounds like Adley Rutschman. Yeah, he, he's, he's starting to figure it out at the AA level. Blaine Knight. Blaine Knight's a guy who I was super excited about. Me too. He was the third round pick for the Orioles in 2018. 2018, yeah. And he pitched in that College World Series that the, that the Razorbacks Oregon lost State. against Adley Rutschman in Oregon State. Yeah. He pitched that first game and shut down a team that had Rutschman, Nick Madrigal, Caden uh, Grenier, shut them down and picked up that first win. They go on to lose the next two. But he started out hot. With with Aberdeen yeah. as a rookie uh, in 2018, then they moved him up to Frederick, and he got absolutely lit up. He did. At Frederick. I, he was terrible. A, a plus eight ERA. Right. One of the issues with him I've heard is the, the, the lankiness. I mean, he's so skinny and so tall that it's kind of just something about his profile I've heard and his stuff just isn't great, and the lankiness is a bit weird too. Um, but, yeah, he's lighting it up right yeah, now. Yeah, pitching for high A Aberdeen, which is still weird to say. Yeah, seriously. Five shutout innings last night, one hit allowed. He has two games started, nine innings pitched, no runs. A former third-round pick. Like you said, four, really struggled to Frederick, but it's it's nice to see him start the year strong. Because I was a guy, I, sure. was, I was I watched him pitch after he got picked by the Orioles in the he third was round. Good. And I was so excited that they got him. Yeah. And I was so devastated to see him struggle so mightily at Frederick. I mean, an Arkansas guy, they, they generally produce solid baseball players. Yeah, and as good of a baseball player as he was for Arkansas, you would expect that. Yeah, and, and the Orioles, they seem to know how to develop pitching at this point with, with this new regime in place. Uh, Maverick Hanley, catcher for the Ironbirds. Uh, one for four last night, batting 333. Toby Welk, third baseman for the Ironbirds. He set the Ironbirds single season batting average record for yep. at 344 in 2019 for the short season affiliate. Now that they're the high A affiliate, he's back. He went one for three last night, batting 281. So that bat's proving to not be a fluke to this point. Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg. Dude, I am so excited for these guys. I mean, how can you not be, really? This is amazing. Gunnar Henderson, shortstop, third baseman, DH for the Delmarva Shorebirds. One for four last night, the lowest batting average of 306. 12 RBIs in nine games. Jordan Westberg, shortstop, third base, designated hitter for the Shorebirds. Two for three with a home run last night, three RBIs. Batting 313 in his first pro season, 13 RBIs in nine games. You look at what Westbrook's doing in his first year. Gunnar Henderson just cracked the top 100 for Baseball America. He's number 99. Jordan Westbrook, how far behind is he? Not very, you would assume. Um, I, I, when, when Jordan Westbrook was picked, I was a little bit critical of it. Because, I remember. I was a little bit critical of it because of the strikeout numbers. Um, struck out a lot in college. And it seems like he hasn't done that at all so far in the, in the minors. I mean, we know about the power. That's all there. We know about the athleticism. He's a really, really good athlete. If he can keep the strikeout numbers down... Man, he's going to be a good player. You have these guys are hitting three four for Delmarva. Yeah, can you can you imagine when they're hitting three four for the Orioles? And you've got you've got to assume that both of these guys are going to move rather quickly. Yeah. I mean, they're lighting it up already. Especially a guy like, who came out of college and he's only in Delmarva right now for for Westburg. You would you would expect him to I, be in Double A by the end of this year. I think we're going to see both those guys by twenty twenty three. 
I would I would argue you would see Westberg by 2022, late 2022. Really? Yeah, I I think he's being such an advanced college hitter, um, and, and being a guy who's already what 22, that you would just expect him to move a little quicker. Yeah, it, look, in 2023, you're looking at your shortstop and third baseman, regardless of where they right. who's playing where. This is your shortstop and third baseman. Uh, on the left side of your infield in 2023 and the future of the Orioles right there. It's so exciting to see. Now, we have about five minutes till, till we get um, Nathan Root. He agreed to come on a little bit later uh, because we ran a little bit long with our last segment. Apologies. Uh, so we're going to go to the Orioles position conundrum. And this is where, man, it, it makes me nervous, right? So Anthony Santander, he's on his way back after spraining his ankle again. One for four last night, starting in right field for the Bay Sox. He had a single on a run, scored. Um, he's on his way back. DJ Stewart, three for three with a walk in his first start since aggravating his hammy a few days ago, and he also had a walk. Uh, I said that, uh, but he got on base four times. Austin Hayes playing well, but he spent 17 days on the injured list. Yosniel Diaz hasn't played since May 9th with an upper leg injury. Heston Kerstad is supposedly the right fielder of the future, but he hasn't been assigned to an affiliate yet after a bout with myocarditis. So what's my point here? My point is of five outfielders that are currently on the Orioles' major league radar. Only Cedric Mullins and Ryan McKenna haven't had injuries. Kerstad, supposed to be right fielder, has, has, has had heart issues. Santander has missed significant time in each of the last three seasons um, with injuries. DJ Stewart missed time due to injuries and ineffectiveness each of the last three seasons. Justineo Diaz has had leg injury after leg injury and has yet to yeah. produce at any level since coming over that Manny Machado trade. People are talking about trading Santander or trading an outfielder. I still think it's going to happen. Right, it, it probably will. But let's not rob Peter to pay Paul because... At the end of the day, you might have a lot of strength in your outfield. It might be the, the most talented position group by far in this organization, but nobody can stay healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. By, by the way, I should mention, Heston Kerstad is now listed on the Shorebirds roster, but on the 60-day injury list. So maybe we see him get into some action, but even if not, he still missed basically all of 2021 and all of 2020. Yeah. So it's, it's concerning for sure. It, it, it's, it's, you're looking at, this, at, at these guys, and it's like, oh, hold your horses here. I don't yeah. want to trade anybody because I don't know if we're going to have enough guys because they can't stay healthy. I'm What's st- the point of, ha- of of having a thoroughbred if you can't keep their legs healthy like Yusniel Diaz? I'm starting to agree with you on Yusniel Diaz. I, I do think he has a very high ceiling, but you mentioned it. The production hasn't been anywhere close to great. I mean, it's been fine. I think he had an 800 OPS in 2019, which is good, but you expect a little more out of the guy that was centerpiece of Manny Machado trade. He's been here for three years. Which is unbelievable at this point. I I can't believe. He hasn't set foot on a major league diamond. Which is not, it's not like the Orioles are completely stacked at the major league level talent-wise at any position, really, but you would think if he had proved his way onto this roster at some point, he would have been here already. And you, you keep seeing the injuries. I'm starting they, they, to, they to are, worry about his future. They are all leg injuries. Yeah. All leg injuries. That's not good. At all. That's they, not they, good. They, it's a quad. It's a hamstring. Now it's just described as an upper leg injury. I, I think for me so far this year, I, there are two guys that I've seen on this roster that have locked down spots for me for the, for the future, and that's Cedric Mullins and, and Austin Hayes. Yeah. Those two guys at one and two in a lineup playing left and center, Austin Hayes is leading the league in, in defensive run save for left fielders. Uh, Cedric Mullins is probably very close to the top at, for center fielders. It's nice to see these this guys, of the fly ball is probably getting caught. Right, exactly. These guys are studs. Mullins and Hayes are studs. And... Uh, you ha- you have to fill right field. You know, maybe it's Diaz. Maybe I don't know if it's Stewart. I, I still Stewart. Maybe maybe it's Cursa. Maybe it's maybe still, maybe, maybe it's still it's Santander. Maybe it's not right. The Orioles no are going to have to figure this out with the injury 
question. It, it really, the injuries are everything right now. You cannot name an outfielder in this organization other than Cedric Mullins and Ryan McKenna, who's a fourth outfielder. Right. You cannot name one without injury histories. Yeah, you, you you can't do it. I mean, Santander. The whole reason he's on this team is injury history. Yeah, because he had that shoulder injury, and they, right. the, the Indians felt like they could get sneak him through without protecting him in the Rule yep. Five. And now he's here, and he still missed most of that that 2017 season with the Orioles because of an injury. And missed most of 2020. Missed most. Well, not most no, of missed, 2021. He, he but, missed the final month of 2020. Right. I mean, of 2019 with a labrum injury. I believe he played like 33 games, which is about yeah, half. And, and then 2020. He missed the season's final 23 games because of, a, of an oblique strain. Yeah. Then he started this year. He, he missed the last six games of spring training because of an oblique injury. And now look, the, the, the rolled ankle, that's a freak injury. But he's missed a month. Right. It'll, it'll mean, be a it, month before he gets back. Right. And there are some guys that, that would slide into that base the same way as he did, and nothing would happen to him. Right. Like you mentioned, Cedric Mullins, maybe Ryan McKenna. Those guys do not have the injury history. Austin Hayes, I mean, look, I, I love the guy. I think he's an absolute stud. Said it before. But I guess we can't ignore the injury history with him either. It, it seems like every other time he's on the IL. So He has been injured every year yeah. since 2018. I don't think he's played a full season for like, Four years. He's it's been played, a while. He's played one full season, right? And it was 2017. And, and Austin Hayes, like I said, here for the future. He's a stud. Got to stay healthy. Yeah. Um. And he is right now, which is great. You know, he's been he's been playing really well right now. So we should we shouldn't jinx it. But he's been healthy and playing well. So yeah. we, we got to appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And while while you get um Nathan Ruiz on the line, you look at third base and you look at second base. The highest average of this these two positions is 212 by Ramon Urias, who doesn't play much. Michael Franco is four for his last 52. Seems to ground out every at bat. Real Ruiz is worthless offensively. Bad 161. Get it together or get off the field. And you don't have anybody ready in the minors other than Stevie Wilkerson. And he is at best a super utility guy. Richie Martin can barely hit his weight. Batting 205. His OPS is 582. Jemai Jones, he's batting just 227. He's had some loud outs. He has a slugging percentage of 591 and an OPS of 924. So I get why people are clamoring for him. But A, his defense isn't ready at second base. He needs more seasoning. He was never going to get called up, even without the injury, this early in the year. And he's on the the IL right now with an oblique strain, though they did say it's a matter of days, not weeks. They called it early enough. I, I, I never thought I'd say this because I, I, I understood it and was actually campaigning for them to do this. But the Orioles sorely miss Hanser Alberto. They really do. They, they, um, they, have, they miss a stable presence. They have nothing at third base and at second base. And I was excited about Mike Calfranco, but this dude, all he does is ground out to the left side. That's I, all he does. I, he does. And, and if we move back over to second base real quick, uh, it seems like the plan all along was to use Rio Ruiz as the starting second baseman, and they DFA'd Yomer Sanchez for that? That that's still a question mark in my you mean, mind. You as mean to, to tell that me happened. that Yomer Sanchez couldn't hit better than one sixty one? Yeah, I, you, you got to imagine he'd be at least two twenty, two thirty by now. Yeah, he, uh, he, uh, that's basically which is what still he is. Not, for, which is still not good, right? But that but he also provides the Gold Glove defense that he had. Which it just it, I I don't understand. But, but the, re- the reports are saying that the glove didn't look the same in spring training. Yeah, spring training. yeah, yeah, and that's the bat certainly fair. didn't. So with that in mind, we have Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun on the line right now. Nathan, how are you this morning? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, and also thank you for letting us push back a few minutes. We ran long with one of our segments, so we appreciate that. Um, Nathan, we're talking about the Orioles' black holes at second base, and right now at third at third base with Michael Franco struggling so mightily. Are there any reinforcements on the horizon for the Orioles, or is it kind of just stuck with what you have right now? 
I mean, I think for the time being, you want the guys. I heard you guys talking about Jemai Jones. I think Jemai Jones, Ryland Bannon, obviously the hope is at some point those two guys are going to get an opportunity in the majors. But obviously, uh, Jones dealing with his injury, and I think you just want to give those two guys an opportunity to, to get a lot of reps in the minor leagues. I think at some point you expect, uh, I think Rio Ruiz kind of just is, is what he is at this point. Obviously, right, I think yeah. he's a better hitter than he's shown to this point, but uh, he's gotten a lot of run. I think if you look at uh, the lineups that Brandon Hyde has put together over three years, I think no one has been in them more often than Rio Ruiz at this point. So uh, he's a guy who I think you know the Orioles know what they have in him. They hope there's still more in there, but I think that he's a guy who's, who's, who's shown what he is to a lot of extent. Uh, obviously, Michael Franco, I think, is a guy that they think have, they have a lot more offensive potential within. And he's just not showing that yet. Obviously, uh, made a nice play last night defensively, which is not really what was expected of him. But he's a guy who I think they want to turn it around. Obviously, on a one-year deal, I think the hope is he he puts together a nice little stretch offensively here over the next couple months. And he's a guy who, come July, maybe can can be a trade piece for them. But, yeah, I think the hope is at some point, uh, Bannon Jones get enough reps down in the minor leagues. Maybe Richie Martin as well to get an opportunity up in the majors. Yeah, and even even Richie Martin, he's... Batting 205, he's got a sub 600 OPS. The, 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 nobody is really performing above the the low levels of the minor leagues at those positions right now. Now the Orioles uh, on the major league level not really performing very well recently. They've lost six of their last seven games. They lost to the Yankees five to four last night. Nathan, to me, it seems like the Orioles are kind of in that. How are we going to lose tonight? Tailspin. Not it's not that they're not being competitive. It's that something seems to happen every game that takes a close game and turns it in the opposition's favor. Uh, they're in a lot of these games, but they're finding ways to lose. How do they right this ship a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at it, last night's game is, is kind of an unexpected one in that their, their bullpen has been so good for them this season. Obviously, you look back at 2019, they had the worst bullpen in baseball. Uh, and since then, they're the most improved. Over the last two years, you just look at ERA. Their their bullpen has improved more than any other in baseball. And obviously, they have more room to grow than any other one. But uh, Travis Lincoln Sr. is a guy who's been pretty good for them since he's been back up in the majors. Cole Solcer as well. And those two guys just unfortunately didn't get the job done uh, last night. But, yeah, it's a team that obviously is ha- it doesn't have the marginal error to, to make mistakes uh, like it did last night. Obviously, it's a team that needs to do everything right on a lot of nights to win. It needs to be at full health. In a lot of cases, it needs to have a guy like John Means on the mound or needs to have a pitcher who's going to pitch them into fifth, sixth, seventh inning, which, um, you know, Dean Kramer obviously was effective last night, but more often than not, they haven't been able to get their starter to pitch them deep into games. And as we get deeper into the season, uh, who knows if the bullpen's going to hold up if they keep getting these four or five inning outings from their starters because they're relying on those relief pitchers a lot. So they're just. They're just a team that's obviously in a position where they a lot of things have to go right for them to, to win on a consistent nightly basis. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you put a lot into one win and your, your bullpen's a little emptied out for the next night. And it just we saw that a lot in 2019 where they just didn't have enough arms to get through the full year. And so I think, obviously, right now we're talking about this on May 15th. It'll be interesting to see how things look on June July, August 15th, and, and how things are shaping up. Well, yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up the bullpen, Nate, because – or I'm sorry, Nathan, um, because – they they've been excellent all year. However, their last seven games, their ERA is four oh eight, which is good for a major league team. But for your bullpen, it's, it it leaves much to be desired. Do you think this is a result of overuse or just the ebbs and flows of a baseball season? Yeah, I think it's a little ebbs and flows. Obviously, you know, there, there's some guys who I think we're going to see, um, you know, regression. I mean, Cole Solcer wasn't going to have a zero point zero zero ERA all year. Um, I think, you know, we, we've seen it a little with Cesar Valdez where, you know, guys have seen him a few times and maybe they're adjusting, obviously, the other night in New York. 
Um, some of that's just, you know, bad luck, weak contact that became hits and, and, and so forth. But I, I think you'll see some of that. Obviously, you know, Brandon Hyde. Um, I think one thing that's interesting about the setup of this bullpen right now is there isn't like a clear right-handed setup guy. And I think, you know, Solcer and Lakins obviously are, were getting that kind of an opportunity last night. Sean Armstrong has really struggled. But uh, I, I think it's clear that, I mean, Tanner Scott has had his command issues. But him and Paul Fry are just a dynamic pair of left-handers. I think Cesar Valdez has done really well with his opportunity just when you look at the journey he's had to get to this role. Uh, but there isn't a clear right-handed setup option, which on a team that's, you know, rebuilding, that's not a need. I remember, you know, back in 2019, people asking Michael Elias, oh, do you think if you got one more reliever, you know, that would really help you? And it probably would. It would help them win 10 more games, but you win 64 games in a season, that's not going to get you anywhere. So it, it's a team that I think, you know, is, is going to give a lot of opportunities to guys. I think Cole Solcer and Travis Lakins are going to keep getting opportunities. Obviously, the hope is that Bill and Tate and, and Hunter Harvey can get healthy and get back out there and get those kinds of kind of outings. But I think over the course of the year, you know, they're going to have nights like this. It's just, it's still a relatively inexperienced bullpen. Obviously, it's, it's better. It's more experienced than it was when you look at the disaster that was 2019. But yeah. it, it, there's still obviously a lot of room to grow. Do you find it hard that the Orioles have to have so many innings this year because guys weren't throwing a lot of innings in 2020? Obviously, they need a lot of arms. They need a lot of innings. Do you find it hard for them to actually get rid of some of these arms? Do you think they need to have as much depth as possible? A guy, a guy like Lakins, who's not lighting the world on fire right now, is, is it really easy to keep him just because they need the arm? Well, I think that's part of the reason why both the Rule 5 guys were kept, is they knew right. that they could keep them around for depth and they would provide inning coverage. And honestly, I think Tyler Wells has done better than could be expected of a guy making the leap that he has coming off Tommy John surgery. He hasn't really pitched in about three years. Uh, Max Roller obviously hurt right now, but I think those are, are two prime examples. If they're going to need as much depth as, as, as they can get, and, and Michael Elias has said that, said that, that everyone on the 40-man roster is going to be a guy that, that they're going to need. Um, it'll obviously get tough as you get later in the year, and maybe a guy like Matt Harvey gets traded, but you hope by then that Michael Bauman is healthy, that Zach Lauther is getting a full opportunity, that Keegan Aiken is getting a full opportunity, that Dean Kramer is continuing to build like he has in the month of May. So I think the hope is that in time, you know, these guys are able to, to cover innings, but obviously I think it's going to be, it's going to get hard. You know, obviously the bullpen guys are going to get taxed a lot. Obviously the hope is that this team is winning a lot of games and, and that they're able to, to send out Paul Fry and Tanner Scott and Cesar Valdez as often as possible. But also they're going to need other guys to step up. And like I mentioned earlier, Tate and Harvey are hopefully two guys that uh, are, get healthy and, and contribute in that, those kind of roles. But it, it'll be tough to see how, how things kind of shape up over the next few months. You brought up Tyler Wells, and this is an interesting guy. He's a big dude, 6'8", 250 pounds. He's got a big-time arm. He's coming off Tommy John surgery, making that big leap to the major league level this year. And he's he's held his own. He's done well. Now, this is a guy who started throughout his entire minor league career. He's in the bullpen now. Uh, is this a guy who you expect to stay in the bullpen long term, or do the Orioles envision him as being a potential rotation candidate down the line? Uh, I, I think, you know, the option is there for him. I think, obviously, the goal is I think he'll be primarily a reliever, if not entirely a reliever, throughout this year. Obviously, his background before this season was starting. Um, that was going into the surgery. But he's a guy who had some success in the lower minors as a starting pitcher. Um, they have said specifically with Max Roller, I remember Brandon Hyde saying that his pitch mix really is, is a starter's pitch mix. I don't know that I've heard anyone say that definitively about Tyler Wells, but obviously the background is there. Obviously, most relievers are guys who started as starters and then moved to the bullpen. It'll be interesting to see if he gets the opportunity. I think, uh, you know, I think ideally if they view him that way, it could be a Richie Martin type situation where he spends this year in the majors and then gets to get a a fuller opportunity in the minors next season. 
but yeah, he's a guy who's, who I think is surprised in a lot of ways. Obviously, you know, the numbers don't jump off the page, 5.4 ERA, 6.84 fifth, but he's, you know, doing what they're asking him to do. He's pitching in, in relatively mop-up situations. He's a guy who's making a huge leap in terms of the level he's coming up from, but I think, you know, they, he wouldn't still be on this team if the Orioles weren't trying to retain him in some fashion. Now, a, a guy who was similar in that regard was Pedro Araujo a few years back. And um, the Orioles ended up, in, because they could, they, they just couldn't justify keeping him on the Major League roster, they ended up working out a deal, I believe, with the Cubs to keep uh, Pedro. Is this a situation with a guy like Tyler Wells or even Max Carolla where they like the arm so much but they can't keep him on the roster? They end up, uh, would they be willing to make some kind of trade, whether it's a player to be named later or cash considerations, to keep these guys but be able to put them at the minor league level? Yeah, I mean, they have to get to that, that point yet. I don't, I don't really have to have any speculation on that, but I think, you know, it's obviously two guys they like or they wouldn't have made the, the club out of camp. Uh, I think there's. You know, a lot of season left. The hope is that they're able to retain these guys. It is going to be interesting to see if once Dylan Tate is back, once Hunter Harvey is back, is there going to be room for these guys, especially as Bauman and Wells and Lowther and Aiken and those guys, Zimmerman, become, you know, consistent parts of this roster. Um, there's going to be a lot of movable pieces in terms of options, and obviously those two guys don't have that. So if, if they decide, you know, hey, we've got, we got the 20 innings, 30 innings out of this guy that we needed, um, we see, we've seen what we've seen, and, and we don't, we don't need this as part of our organization going forward. They're welcome to make that decision, but if for the time being, if, if, if there's space for them and they like the arm, then obviously they're going to keep it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another guy on his way back is Anthony Santander. He started in right field for the Bowie Bay Sox last night, one for four with a single and a run scored. He's going to play some right field. He's going to DH some. Uh, they said that he should be ready by early next week, but probably won't be back until the end of the week because of the intake process um, with, with uh, the COVID protocols. What does that process entail, and Nathan, why does it take so long? Yeah, it's just like a testing period. It's, it's you know, pretty standard um, that we've seen over the last year now. And so I, I think it's just something where uh, they want to make sure there's no issues, that, you know, if there is a, a travel period, a quarantine period, I think, as it sets up now, um, AAA is abiding by different rules than the other minor league level. So if he was um, rehabbing with Norfolk, I think it'd be a little different, and that's probably just a scheduling location mechanism the reason that they're sending him there but um i would think it'd be a pretty quick process obviously it'll take a day or two but um i think the hope is obviously that you know he gets tested everything comes back negative and he's back on the field in no time now we were talking about this just before you came on the program today nathan and it's the orioles outfielders this is arguably the strongest position group in the organization but they're all riddled with injury history you have hayes who's missed time in each of the last four years santander each of the last three Yosniel Diaz can't keep his legs healthy. Uh, Hessen Kerstad had myocarditis. How can fans and the organization as a whole trust any of these guys to stay on the field aside from Cedric Mullins? There's really just this long hin- in history of injury with just seemingly every player. Yeah, that's definitely a valid question. I think that's why you know Brandon Hyde has said that it's not a problem for them to have this many young, talented outfielders because there are going to be opportunities for guys. I mean, he's had one game over the last two years where he had Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, DJ Stewart, Ryan Mountcastle, and Anthony Santander all on the lineup together, or all on the roster together, I should say. And that was the game that, that Santander's ankle got hurt. So it, it's obviously uh, you know a luxury to have that many guys, but it's definitely problematic that you can't get them all to stay on the field. And I think the hope is that um, 
you know, they all get their opportunity to, to get a run here. Obviously, DJ Stewart with Santander out has had an opportunity to, to get a little bit of run out there to play a lot of right field and get an everyday opportunity. And, and last night he's, he's done, he did well, but uh, there's obviously been some ups and downs and all these guys, not just on the injury side, but on the performance side, they've had their ups and downs. Obviously Cedric Mullins is probably the biggest example of that getting sent down to double a a couple years ago, but obviously he's had a, a great start to this year. Uh, I think what they want to do over the course of the season is just give all those guys an opportunity and, and hopefully three, four of them take advantage. The hope obviously would be that, that, Diaz is healthy enough to get an opportunity up in the majors at some point and, and take advantage of it. So is it safe to assume that when Santander makes his return, you just talked about that a few minutes ago, but when he does make the return, that Ryan McKenna is the guy to go down? That that would be pretty safe to assume. Or is is there a possibility DJ Stewart could could possibly go down? Yeah, it's hard to say, but I think Ryan McKenna kind of fits that, that fourth outfielder mold, at least in terms of how they're using him right now. Uh, I think he's a guy who they want to get every day at bats in the minor league. So, yeah, I think it would make sense for him to go down and, and we maybe see the construction that we expected earlier on in the year where D.G. Stewart might fit in at, at the D.H. spot every now and then. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I think Brandon Hyde would like to have his option to have the left-handed bat at D.J. Stewart and uh, off the bench or, or in whatever role that may be as a designated hitter, working with Brian Mountcastle, maybe Trey Mancini a day or two in that role, but I, I think there's going to be a lot of flexibility there once all the five of those guys are healthy and on the roster. Now, Nathan, down at the minor league level, Gunnar Henderson, he recently moved into Baseball America's Top 100, debuting at number 99. He and Jordan Westberg are absolutely tearing the cover off the ball at Delmarva. They have 25 combined RBIs and five combined home runs in nine games. They're hitting 3-4 in that lineup, both batting over 300. How good has that combination been, and when do you think we could see uh, – Jordan Westbrook enter that top 100 conversation. Yeah, I think uh, now that Gunnar Henderson has done it, uh, Westbrook's kind of the next guy on that list for the Orioles. Obviously, they've got some pitching prospects between uh, you know Gunnar and him on in terms of you know the Baseball America rankings organizationally. But yeah, those are two guys I'm really excited about. We talked earlier about second base and third base, and and those two kind of seem like the guys who are going to be uh, knocking on that door in terms of being a consistent contributor. Obviously, Ryland Bannon's there. You got Adam Hall on the way up too. So there are a couple pieces there, but in terms of big time, exciting prospects, those two really seem to fit that mold. I had a scout tell me recently that, that he actually might be more excited just about uh, Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rushman. And that seems a little extreme to me, but um, obviously, you know, with the way that Gunners performed to start this year, and I think people obviously are really excited about Adley. There's just a lot of expectations on him. Um, but I think in time, you know, the hope is that both those guys are consistent middle part of the order with a Heston Kerstad with the Jordan Westberg and, and the Orioles are winning a lot of baseball games at the major league level. Yeah, those are guys. I sent out a tweet last night that it's just really exciting to think about what the Orioles lineup can look like, even in just in 2023, when a lot of these guys are making it to the major league level. Another guy who people aren't really talking about, kind of came out of nowhere, is Patrick Dorian, uh, playing third base every day for the Bay Sox. Monster start to the year, 417, four home runs. He had a grand slam in his three for five performance last night. Uh, where did this guy come from? Uh, we know he came over in that Jeffrey Ramirez deal, but literally came out of thin air. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who, if I remember correctly, when he was in the Pirates organization, showed a really strong hit tool, put up a high average. And so he's a guy that obviously, you, you know, you're not giving up a lot to get him, but he was obviously something, there's something about him that the Orioles like. Uh, probably, you know, exit velocity metrics, just different things that they look at that they can, um, you know, decide, hey, we really like this player. We think there's a potential there. Obviously, you're not going to get a, a premier prospect for a guy uh, like Ramirez, but the hope would be that 
you know, whatever piece you're getting could become a contributor. And it's early in the year, but like you mentioned, his numbers are great to this point. And, and maybe he ends up, you know, surprising some people, still only 24. So still some room to grow there and make some contribu- contributions down the line. Now, that was kind of my next question because Dorian is would fill a hole for the Orioles. They, they don't have a third baseman right now. They don't really have a second baseman either. A guy like Dorian coming up maybe in August or September, how realistic is that? Is that something they have on the radar? Yeah, I think when you look organizationally, they really want guys to get that AAA experience. And I think, right. obviously, the circumstances of last year uh, impacted that. Ryan McKenna came to the majors before playing in AAA. Zach Lowther came to the majors before playing in AAA. So there are circumstances, but both those guys also had a full year of AA experience before that happened. So I think it's something where we could see Patrick Dorian or any guy in that type of situation get a, a good run at Bowie and maybe move up to Norfolk, and if he does well enough there, get an opportunity. But I think it's probably more likely we see maybe a Ryland Bannon-type trajectory in terms of having a, a mostly full season at Bowie before getting a month or so up in Norfolk and, and, and seeing what he does there. And obviously Bannon's a guy who has some AAA experience coming into this situation. If not for the circumstances of last year, he might already be in the majors now playing third base or second base regularly. I don't think it's too long before we see him maybe get an opportunity, but for a guy like Dorian, for anyone at, at, at Bowie, um, with the exception of maybe maybe Adley Rutschman, if he just completely tears the cover off the ball, I think it's going to be a pretty slow play and, and pretty level-to-level system. You, and I'm glad you mentioned Adley Rutschman, because that was going to be my next question. He um, he got off to a bit of a slow start. He had 11 strikeouts in his first six games. The reports were that when he went 0-5 with three strikeouts in his first game at Bowie, that he looked overmatched. Well, he hasn't struck out the last three games. He now has as many walks as strikeouts with 11 apiece. Uh, the batting average is only at 219, but the on-base percentage is up to 432. Uh, and this is a guy who was known, aside from his hit tool, was known for his plate discipline and his batter's eye at the collegiate level. Um, is Adley Rutschman kind of starting to settle in and kind of get his feet under under him? What are reports on him and how he's looked thus far down at Bowie? Yeah, I think he's a guy whose swing can just get a little long at times, and that's going to happen. I mean, I think we have to remember that this guy has 40-something games of minor league experience, and, and even though he he was pretty well regarded as the number one prospect in that draft, and he's the number two prospect in baseball right now, there's he doesn't have a whole lot of professional experience. And obviously, the Orioles really liked what they saw out of him in their camp setups last year. Uh, there's hope that that in you know a, a short amount of time he will show them, hey, I'm ready to be in the major leagues. It'll be interesting to see how they how they handle that with him. But like you mentioned, the walk to strikeout ratio, obviously something that in Corvallis with Oregon State, he was great at that. Uh, obviously facing different a different level of competition now, but yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy that if you're if you're seeing that and you're seeing the 219 in the in the batting average box, you can be comforted knowing that hey, this guy's play discipline tool is still there. I think, you know, that's something that, you know, defensively they're, the pitchers seem to be pitching well at Bowie, and that's something that he's going to be uh, getting a lot of credit for as well, just with the work he's doing behind the play. And every, you know, pitcher who's talked about him in the organization has talked about how great it is to work with him. D.L. Hall has said just how nice it is to have a rapport and how, how easy it is to trust someone like him whose body language just immediately makes you feel comfortable back there. So obviously there's still a lot of excitement. We're talking about, you know, nine, ten games in the minor leagues at double-A. But I think in time, you know, those numbers will turn around and he'll be the player that, that the Orioles expect him to be. Now, Pedro Severino, he is he's heating up at the plate. I don't think there's any question about it that Pedro Severino is a starting major league catcher. Uh, now, can you envision a scenario? And when I say that, I mean that to say that he's not going to be here when Adley Rutschman comes up to the major league level to stay. 
With that in mind, can you envision a scenario this year where the Orioles trade Pedro Severino to a contender at the deadline and then call up Adley Rutschman to replace him? I think it's hard to imagine a call-up coming that soon. I think it's important to remember that if you call up Adley Rutschman, you're starting his clock. And I think the Orioles want to, I mean, I don't think they're going to do any manipulation or anything like that, but I think there's there's going to be a thought, part of this thought process is going to be we want to make sure Adley Rutschman is here for as many contending years as possible. And in July, if they're a seller, that's not necessarily a contending year. Now, if the pieces start to align and they think, oh, maybe next year we can surprise and you know we can get him an opportunity in September and then bring him up and, and maybe have him ready to go for the start of the 2022 season, then maybe that's something they consider. But it just depends on where their timeline's at. I, I don't, you know, organizationally, there's not a lot of upper minors catching depth. Obviously, you know, Nick Chupo's hurt with his hand. You've got Taylor Davis. You've got Austin Wynn. So uh, Chance Sisko and Pedro Severino, obviously, are two guys who aren't um, maybe performing at the level that, that would be hoped. Um, obviously, they both started the season really well last year. I think if there was an all-star game last year, Pedro Severino might have been the American League starting catcher. He, he, he definitely has a rapport with the pitchers. Kyle John means no hitter. So he's a guy who I think is really appreciated in this organization. Uh, and he's obviously gotten a lot of opportunities since he came over from the Nationals. But, yeah, I just don't know uh, that the Orioles are going to want to rush Rutschman in that way, but it'll definitely be interesting to see how they handle his situation. And then finally, D.L. Hall. He is off to a phenomenal start down in Bowie. 19 strikeouts in nine in the third innings, just the two walks. He's, at, he's yet to allow a run, only four hits in his two starts. This guy is dominating at double a is this a scenario where he stays at double a all year or does he get moved up to triple a at some point this year yeah i think if the if the season had been canceled a year ago he's a guy who's definitely pushing that limit right now i think that if the opportunity is there for for him if he pitches like this like he has been and if anyone hasn't read john mioli's story on what the work that dl hall did over the last year plus to to become this pitcher i strongly recommend you head to baltimoresun.com and check it out but he's a guy who the stuff is always there, but the command, the control necessarily hasn't been. And now that it is, it's dominant. And I think this is the kind of pitcher that the Orioles hope to take, hope to get when they took him in the first round a couple years ago. And obviously that preceded this front office, but he's a guy who seemingly through two double A starts has put it together. But if he keeps it up at this level, there's really no question that he could help the Orioles at the major league level. Absolutely, I think that's all people are looking forward to that 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 rotation of a John Means, Grayson Rodriguez, DL Hall throw into Adley Rutschman certainly yeah. gives you goosebumps when you think about that. Nathan, that's going to do it for the interview part of today's show, but we do want you to stick around because we have this game that we play and we call it Take to Rake. Um, so if you're not familiar with this game, Nathan, the the Take to Rake rules are simple: you, Zach, and I each pick a player that we think is going to have the best week offensively for the Orioles. The only stipulation is that you can't pick the same player two weeks in a row. So since you're our guest, Joe Trezza, for example, last week picked Trey Mancini. You can't Dang pick, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't pick Trey Mancini <laughs> this week. Um, and with that in mind, Trey Mancini won last week by the skin of his teeth over Austin Hayes. He was 6 for 24, 250 batting average, 3 doubles, a home run, 4 RBIs, 1 walk. Uh, That was Joe Trezza's pick. Zach picked Austin Hayes, who was 5 for 23, a double, a triple, a home run, 3 RBIs, 2 walks. I picked Freddie Galvis, 4 for 18, a home run, 3 RBIs, 2 walks. So, 
for this after getting shut out the first five weeks of the year, our guest has won two weeks in a row. It was Rich Dubrov taking Austin Hayes two weeks ago and Joe Trezor mm. taking Trey Mancini last week, which means, Nathan, you get first pick today. Uh, well, I was definitely planning when you brought this game up to pick Trey. I, I get Joe obviously made the smart pick and, and shutting me out of that here. I'm going to go with Ryan Mountcastle. Obviously, the last three games haven't been pretty, but the, a couple weeks leading up before that, he really seemed to be turning around. So I, I'm going to see if he can't you know, get that hot streak back, and I think I'm going to take Ryan Mountcastle. Ryan Mountcastle is a good pick. I've picked him a couple of times this year. He won for me the first week because there was only one game, and he hit that big three-run double right. or two-run double up in Boston on the opening day. He's let me down at, at, at different points. I think I've picked him three times, actually, yeah. this year. Um, but I think it's a solid pick. Zach, you are going to pick second. I need clarification on the on the record. So it is now Paul one, Zach one, guests two. I have two wins. You have two wins. Where I have two wins. Win? Um, I have Ryan Mountcastle, and then I think I had I had a second win, but I had two wins in the first. I want to say it's one one and two for the guests. No, it's two one. I have two wins. You have one win. The guests have two wins. And we have two. We should shots. probably start writing this down. I, I, it's in my mind. <laughs> it's in your mind. I, I'll write it down. But anyway, Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins is my pick. You bastard. again. I was again. Go- I was picking Cedric. Mullins. Every other week, I pick Cedric Mullins. It's a pattern. It's true. It's true, Nathan. He's picked Cedric Mullins. I think not, every, every not time. a bad pick. Every hasn't other been a week. Bad pick every other week. Yeah, hasn't been bad. No oh, man. Then you know what? I'm I'm doing it. I'm taking Austin Hayes. Yeah, I'm, you, I'm, you I'm, can't. You can't not. I'm, I mean. I'm I'm taking. It's it's funny because Trey Mancini would be the pick here, but. He's been up and down. One week he'll be stellar, one week he's he, he's mediocre. I'm going Austin Hayes. I think this dude's uh, prime for a big week. All right, so we have Nathan Ruiz, who took Ryan Mountcastle. Zach took Cedric Mullins. I took Austin Hayes. Nathan, thanks for indulging us. Thanks for coming on the program. Hopefully we get to talk to you uh, down the road again soon. Yeah, sounds great, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, you have a great weekend. Take care. You too. Bye. That was Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun joining us for an extended version of the bat around today as we haven't even gotten to our third break and it's already 12.07. Just want to keep want you to keep in mind that every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash Sports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with Dan Duquette, Pirates outfielder and Calvert Hall alum Troy Stokes Jr., Ravens legend Jacoby Jones, and more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Just want to remind you that the Battle Round is airing live every Saturday from 10 to 12 in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I have Zach over here. He's going to pay some more bills for us. All right. The latest edition of... The latest edition of Press Box is available now on, on the man, cover. Luke Jackson profiles Orioles pitcher John Means, and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taking with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitz reflects on Nick Markakis's career, including uh, Bull Smoka looks at what to expect from the uh, Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. We're going to get a break and finish up the show when we get back. 
Hey, this is your guy, Chris Rulin from Great Eights Memorabilia, coming to you to talk about Baltimore Celeb Fest. 50 wrestlers at Benfield Sports Center on Saturday, May 15th from 11 till 3. We will be there with the Great Eights stable with the Murder Hawk Monster, Lance Archer, the Machine, Brian Cage, the beautiful people, Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, Matt Seidel, Flip Gordon, Tessa Blanchard, Diamante. You can meet all eight of them for only 200 bucks. All the details at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. It's GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. Also, we have great private signings coming up with John Harbaugh, Anquan Bolden, Jonathan Ogden, and more. That's GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. Remember, be great. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh, premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A- financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. A uh, long show today, but yeah. a gu- but a good one. Zach and I always love it when we have the opportunity. I know uh, when we have the opportunity to 
talk Orioles baseball for an extended period. We love having our guests. We love interviewing them. But we also love talking Orioles baseball. And so they gave us that opportunity. So it was really nice. We do have one more bill to pay. Ahead, All right, make the most out of every day on a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today as I'm speeding through everything right now. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, 12-13, so we're, we're, we're 13 minutes over here. But you're right, um, you know, always good to talk Warriors baseball for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... Um it's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I, I could do it until I'm blue in the face. Anybody that knows me knows that. So yeah. that's my favorite thing about about this show is talking the Orioles baseball. So anyway, um, real quick, you want to talk about um, Orioles second baseman a little bit. I, I just want to make it real quick. I wanted to get a more opportun- a bigger opportunity, I guess I should say, to talk about this earlier on the show, but we didn't really get a chance to. Rio Ruiz and Ramon Urias, what, what are we doing here? Like it, This whole second base thing, is it acceptable to trot out a guy – Every week, who I'm going to pull up the stats here, or not every week, but every day, I guess I should say, with Rio Ruiz. I'm just going to pull up the stats for everyone to hear, and maybe it'll make it feel more more real for everyone. Um, because Rio Ruiz is not a, a starting quality second base. He's not a he's, he's not, not he's, a, not, a, he's a major, not a major league. He player. is a four A player right now. Rio Rio Ruiz is batting 161. He has three home runs. He has 14 hits and 87 at bats. His OPS is 546. His OPS plus is 55. I don't know where we've gotten to the point where this is acceptable. I, I know Richie Martin's OPS is 40 points higher. Seriously. It, it, Richie Martin was horrible in 2019 until the end of the year. He brought it up a little bit. Richie Martin is a million times better than Rio Ruiz. It, I, I don't a know. I, Rio Ruiz, so Rio Ruiz is scraping the bat. <laughs> Rio Ruiz is scraping the bottom of the barrel for Major League players. I, I'm, he's a 4A player. I, I just I, I don't know when we got to the point that this is acceptable to to run Rio Ruiz out oh, here every well, day. Well, you're in a rebuild, right? Yeah. So yeah. a lot of these guys, and and maybe less, maybe less so this year, but up and up to this year, a lot of these guys are kind of in that category where it's like they're not going to be here in a year or two, right? But, and it's but, the same thing with Chance Cisco for me. It, just yeah, I'm done with him too. I mean, what, what again? How is it acceptable to and, run and, these guys and, out and every these, day? And these people are like, well, maybe he can be your DH or, or your first. If, well, if Chance Cisco is DH, you might as well he's got a hit. Put put the team in the harbor. Like honestly, it, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> put, the, put the team. In it's. The I mean, look. If if Chance Cisco is DHing, it's all gone wrong. Everything has the, gone the, wrong. The the bottom line is that you can't trust. Rio Ruiz in this lineup. Ramon Urias is a he's a nice player for a guy who plays yeah, twice a week. I guess he could be fine. Pat, Pat Valake is batting two hundred, but he has he, the best bat. Should be the second baseman every he, day. He should be playing second base every day until somebody proves that they're ready to come up and take that. Spot. I, I don't even care who it is. Bring in a guy off the streets. Someone is going to be playing better than Rio Ruiz. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm available. Yeah, Paul Valley is going to be second base for the Orioles. Come for, on, forget, man. forget it's the a batter. Around. Lifelong dream. I, lifelong yeah, dream. I, I mean, if you can hit one sixty one. You're in clearly because that's acceptable. I don't think so, I, I don't think I could hit 0061. Just lay down a bun every time they'll shift on you and lay, lay down a bun oh, to the man. right side. I don't, I don't even have the wheels. For, I'm fast, but not that fast. No, look, I, I'm I'm right there with you, man. The, the what the Orioles are getting from two of their four infield positions, second and third base. When, when is it going to end? It's just it's unacceptable. Mike Franco has a track record where you where you I expect him back. to break out. Yeah. Um, you don't know when it's going to be. I've been expecting it for a week and a half now, and he hasn't. Rio Ruiz's on-base percentage career is two ninety. Like, yeah. there is no, there is no value there. There is no value, and I, I, I try to hold back from it every show because I know it's, it's only been a month and you know, month and a half now. But come on, 
it's it's sometime at some time you got to say this is too much. You got to stop with this. I've always said he has a special place in my heart for the walk off home run yeah. that he hit against the Astros the day I got engaged. Um, but look, man, he is who he is. We right. know who Rio Ruiz is. We know the type of player that he is, and he is never going to be a quality major league player. Yeah, and you can. Keep that soundbite, and I hope that somebody brings it back to me in a year or two when he's batting 270 with 20 home runs at the All-Star break, and they say, hey, you were wrong. Yeah. But I'm not. No, I'm not you're wrong. not wrong. I mean, and, and we talked about the defense week one. Um, he made those two diving plays on opening day, which if everyone was like, oh, man, well, look at this guy. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I was wrong about Rio Ruiz. Maybe he's a great defender and he's going to be a great player for. I don't remember any more. I think you might have mentioned like one more web gem you've seen. He hasn't been good. I mean, he's been he fine defensively. He made a stellar diving play to his right where the ball took a bad okay. hop and he reached up over his head on the dive and got in through the guy out. And I even twi- tweeted out, well, that play alone has got two more yeah, weeks of Rio Ruiz. Every hit buys him another two weeks, and it just right. seems it, it seems a little bit old at this point for me. Uh, the thing about Rio Ruiz, and I'm going to tell you right now. Great guy, by the way. He will be DFA'd in the next month or two. It, it's got to happen. It, I mean, it, it's, it's not, not does it also got to happen. It's going to happen. He's, he's going to be DFA'd. Who is the odd man out? On this roster, who's it's, the guy playing the Rio worst? Ruiz. It's it's yeah. Rio Ruiz. Even to look at Ramon Urias, he's had some semblance of value. He's had some, you know, he's played in some games and had some clutch hits and played, you know, pretty decently overall. He's batting like two twelve, which is a lot higher than Rio. Um, it's got to be Rio. It's yeah, got he's got to go he's, at some point. And I think he does have options left. So when I say I believe he does, yeah, he'll end up back in the minor leagues. But he's yeah. he's when somebody comes up to play second base, whether it's Stevie Wilkerson, whether it's Rylan Bannon, whether it's Jemai Jones, whether it's Richie Martin, Ruiz is the guy out the door. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's the guy going out the it's door. It's got to be. You know, and uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. You know, to quote uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey in Bruce Almighty. Guys, long show, great show. Thanks yeah. for joining us as always. I would say wear your mask, but Hogan said we don't have to anymore. There you go. Um, depending on where you are, if you're in the city, we're still waiting on... Uh, the regulations clarification. and clarification for each county, each zone. Um, but still remain socially distant, guys. Be safe. You know, Go out and get vaccinated if you haven't already. I'm not trying to be political. I just think that the more it's people are right vaccinated, thing, right thing to do. it's the right thing to do. Even if you don't believe in it, just go get vaccinated so we can get back to playing to playing baseball outside. Exactly. And, and I mean, if you want to see 100% capacity at Camden Yards, that's the way to do it. Yeah, so. absolutely. With that in mind, thanks for tuning into the Battle Round. We'll see you next week here uh, from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. See ya.